The following podcast gimmick has been paid for by Look at the Adjective. The Iceman cometh. Hello and welcome to Look at the Adjective. We are not here to podcast couldn't have been more clearer. I don't understand why you keep tuning in. Oh, I'm joking, guys. Uh, we are here to podcast, I'm afraid. I am the big man, John McCann. As always, joined by the medium-sized man, the bad guy, Chico. The nature boy, Mark Crowther. How are you doing, mate? Nah, not bad, mate. How are you doing? Anything interesting happen this weekend? Other than our aborted attempt to record last night, uh, no. <laughs> well... I might as well have forgotten what happened on Sunday anyway, but yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to just ignore the obvious. Yeah, that was a second half win. <laughs> Take that. And, and, a, and a first half mauling <laughs> by some statuesque Vikings. <laughs> it was shocking, couldn't string two passes together. Yeah, Erling Braut Haaland, I know you're doing this just to annoy Roy Keane because <laughs> he ended your dad's career, but, you know, please just stop. You are essentially Dolph Lundgren from fucking Rocky. It's it, You're not human, it's wrong. So, as always, on a Monday, we will take you down that well-worn, idiot-paved, long and winding road to Crettonville. It's the Cretton of the Week. Have you got one for us this week, Marky? Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's, a, there's a couple of... Well, there's one that's sort of more... Nah, there's not too much this about it, but it's sort of... Just yeah, it's sort of. I'll get to it in a minute, but it's a little bit like ugh, again. The first one though, that's sort of. Um, Could it be? <laughs> the first one though is just a, a man who, who, who are actually probably will probably have a lot of good things to say about it as we continue to go on in this podcast. But the modern day version of this man is just beyond belief. He's just an idiot. It's Mister Chris Jericho. He's back again. It's been it's been a while since he's made an appearance on this um, on this segment actually. Yeah, um, since his uh, Carlton Cole loving <laughs> escapade. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so he's come out in some interview. I'm not sure exactly who it was with, on some kind of podcast or or radio show or something. He he's just come out with a proper moronic statement. No, really? <laughs> yeah, he's just like as we all know. He he likes to think he's the sort of be all and end all when it comes to pro wrestling, and he's the sort of the father and god of it as as things go and he's basically stuck the boot into one of his former colleagues and potentially former friends in mr cody rhodes who you're not as big of a fan of as me but i am quite into cody and he's basically chris has come out with a, a statement saying that before cody rhodes arrived in aw no one had a clue who he was which is just idiocy <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like even if you're not the uh, biggest cody Rhodes fan if you're a pro wrestling fan you know who the fucker is you know what i mean just by the name alone well, the, the fact that he was on a program that was infinitely wider received than AEW for about 10 years before he went there maybe yeah. not 10 years but you know what i mean what a moron just a stupid, stupid statement. He's just trying to, he's just trying to act like he, like they made him, which is 
it's not true, really. He sort of went out. He made himself in a way. I know. I know he had that sort of quite a lengthy stint in a in WWF, and he did have some quite sort of high profile, you know, feuds. And you know, I know he had a, a feud with a couple of guys I'll mention in a minute. DX at one point that was quite lengthy. You know, he was in Legacy with Randy Orton, and then he sort of broke out on his own. And but then he sort of he made himself and made a name a proper name for himself on the Indies, didn't he? And then work in New Japan and stuff like that. And Jericho is just really like desperately trying to sort of save what looks like it's becoming a bit of a sinking ship in the last few last month or so. And he's trying yeah. to make out that they're 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 curating all these stars that you know that that, that that's now sort of one of the top stars in WWF. So it's just an idiot idiotly statement that's trying to put himself over because he sort of he sees himself as like the the creator of this company and it and it sort of bury it sort of buries Cody as well because it's like saying he he had nothing about him before he walked in that door, which isn't true really. It's it's bollocks. It's it it's cretinous bollocks. And yeah. but like you said, he did he did sort of repackage himself and re sort of vitalize himself for the Indies. The yeah. old, the, the best way I can put it, is he kind of did what McIntyre did. Like yeah. Mac, he, he was saddled with a shit gimmick, and then he got released slash you know walked, and he sort of made himself known on the Indies in terms of he was must see. Yeah. Uh, McIntyre did the same in like places like Evolve and stuff like that, and um, to the point where you know they were clambering to hire him again, and mm-hmm. clearly Cody Rhodes went that step further to a, another national company because you know TNA wasn't really doing anything when McIntyre no. was you know trying to you know re remake his name sort of sort of thing. Yeah, I mean anything that comes out of Jericho's mouth these days is utter just shit. He's, oh, yeah. he's he has no sort of idea of reality. He lives in fucking Cuckoo fuzzy land. world where he's on his boat, on his cruise, and he's like playing his dog shit music, and and he's he's made like fifty thousand stars in AEW because he he let them put him over. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. He takes credit for MJF, from what no. I can gather. Bollocks. Yeah, That's well, MJF. he does. He does pretty much. He talks about that year-long program they had together, and it was one of the best of his career. That's... It, it was one of the worst of MJF's career, and he's been only been in the business about six years, maybe. If that, <laughs> yeah, that nearly that nearly absolutely killed all his momentum off that that whole thing. But yeah, Jer- Jericho. Every time he opens his mouth in an interview, he either comes across as ridiculously pompous. He's very Kenny Omega style now, isn't he? Where he's like, "Oh, I'm." Very. I'm... I'm the the purveyor of all things great in wrestling and all this, and and he just he, yeah. I'm not seeing him come out recently and say anything. Where I go, oh yeah, fair enough, Chris. I know what you're on about. It's like every time he comes out with something, it just feels like utter nonsense. And this is just another one of them. Yeah, he's, he's, he has got that Omega sort of pomposity to him. The Omega and the Young Bucks remind me very much of. Do you remember Pinky and the Brain? Yeah. <laughs> so um, Omega's like the brain, like this pompous idiot who thinks he knows everything about everything. And the young books are just like the brains. You're that little henchman you kind of, yes, boss. Mm, mm. And yeah, he's, and Jericho's got his little gimps, like, uh, what's he called? Mac Daddy and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Angelo <laughs> Parker, 2.0, basically. Cool Hand Parker, or whatever he's called. Shocking. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. You can't you can't give him any sort of cre- any credence to what he says these days because it is nine times out of ten complete shite, yeah. in, and just whatever lives in Jericho world is fucking dreadful. Moving on from that penis, we have another AEW based penis 
because obviously the biggest story for AEW is the Punk, Young Bucks, Omega thing. There's more tension. There's more dissension. And it's from two of the biggest... Oh, wait, no, it's not. No, it's from two of the smallest <laughs> names on the roster. It's old Samuel Guevara again. He's back. And Andrade, bum squeezy, Ellie Dolo. <laughs> What's been going on? What what hasn't been going on? These two these two have been going at it all over Twitter, haven't they? And I don't it's just come out of nowhere as well. It's just random as fuck. I can't remember who started it. I think it might have been been old Andrade, who he's been sort of, there's been a lot of reports about him recently, sort of wanting to move on and stuff like that. And I think he said something like it might have been it might have been Sammy who started. Something like, oh, you know, you know, when when you've had the second chance to get over and you still want to go back, and they just told him to fuck off back to WWE and all this. And it's just yeah. this, it's just this thing where like Sammy Guevara thinks he's some kind of fucking Vinnie Jones hard nut. Just you're not, mate. You're about you're about nine and a half stone wet through, fucking skinny as shit. <laughs> yeah, and do you like, know what I mean? Andrade would Andrade would probably beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> Let's be honest. Without a shadow of a doubt, but I mean, he does this. He's a goppy little fucking. He's like he started on Kingston, like, and Kingston just finished it. I think quickly. I think he he seems to be one of them who's causing a lot of trouble backstage. But he seems to just sort of ride the storm and get away with it, doesn't he? Yeah, where are his stars, Meltzer? Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like obviously, even with the whole Young Bucks Punk thing, blah blah blah, they all got suspended. Guevara, I don't think did Guevara even get suspended after that Kingston incident, or was it just Kingston? I don't think so. But it's it's the, it's the Adam Page sort of theory, and it? it's like, what well, what's happened to him? Where's he's is you know retribution? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think he goes on about these four pillars because he thinks he's in fucking all Japan, right? But and like Sammy MJF, was it Page and some other fucker Jungle Boy or something? Are your four pillars? You know, it's Darby, Sammy, MJF, and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy. Uh, so, Page isn't one of them. But, like, is he, is, he, is he just immune because he's, like, some guy that Tony wants to make him, you know, one of his guys? Uh, Possibly. He's been there since know. day one, hasn't he, pretty much? I think, oh, no, he yeah. has. He's been there since day one, so. But, but Page got off scot-free, didn't he, so. Yeah, that's it. They've got, they've got a real problem, haven't they, in their locker room? Yeah, it's not good. I mean... Say what you want about Vince McMahon, and we've said plenty. He is a fucking deplorable human, but he kept his he kept his shit in 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 house and you know in line, didn't he? At the end of the day, yeah. and I think Helmsley probably will as well. So who knows? I'm just Tony Khan. Just to me, I know mean, we've said this we've said this on team time, you know how many times now, but you just he can't he can't run he can't run a locker room, can he? Especially with these types of you know, personalities walking around backstage. There's going to be friction, and I'm sure there was friction back in WWF, and then you know, in the in the heat of that. But you've got to have people yeah. in that, people there who can sort of you know, squash it. It doesn't look like they've got any sort of you know levels of sort of authority backstage where people are putting a stop to yeah. these sort of things. But they should no, because yeah, exactly. It wants to be everyone's fucking mate, though, doesn't it? It's, it's it never works, and yeah. it's just something fundamentally, like I've said before, something fundamentally toxic at the core of that company. We were sailing on on you know hype and goodwill for a while, and it's just it's gone down the shit pan, and now he's got no like top tier stars. He's resting everything on Jericho because he's not even like 
No, because it's like it's been more Jericho than Moxley recently, hasn't it? And like Moxley, in in theory, I'm, I'm not I'm not a John Moxley fan really, but he's your biggest star, him and Brian Danielson and Jericho. But Jericho's more like Jericho should be winding legend, down, now, yeah. shouldn't he? He shouldn't be like featured like as in like the main event or opening segment every week, and he pretty much is. Which is, but he's turned into Hulk Hogan, Chris Jericho. He's he's turned into what he is. He's an absolute backstage fucking politician. Yeah, of course he is. And he used to hate all that when he was young. He used to hate yeah, it. Of he, yeah, well, that's only because he didn't have the fucking stroke, and now he's got the stroke, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm using it." Because I, I, I suppose he probably thinks it's only what X amount of other people have done in the in the business. But it's a different fucking business now. Do you know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. Everything's too widely known and reported. You can't. You can't be. You can't like, get wave after shit that, you did, that they used to do back in the day, can you? No, you can. You fuck. Guevara's best tweet was, "You're a jobber." A favour hire. Be grateful, bitch. Who, who's, who's hired him as a favour? He was hired on... Who? To be fair, Andrade is not everyone's cup of tea. And I liked some of the stuff he did in NXT, not, you know, some of us, or, or even on the main roster. But he's definitely not a favour hire. He's hired on his talent. He's got talent. He seriously does. I've seen him have really like good his matches. his missus is there. Yeah, exactly. It's not like his missus is there. His missus is in WWE, for fuck's sake. So, I mean, you can sort of understand him... Possibly wanting to go back to WWE, especially now the sort of new regime change kind of thing. He may be fit because he was a, an NXT guy, wasn't he, originally? So you don't know. You don't know what's going on. It's just stupid fucking dicks. Just can't keep the fucking gob shut on Twitter. Even even if even if it's even if it's some kind of work, why would you start feuds on Twitter? It's proper shit way of doing it. Even if it is some kind of work. So start it on I suppose, TV. I know, but I suppose... Suppose more eyeballs see Twitter and more eyeballs might tune in then to watch the TV. Right Social that. media is probably the smartest way to, to do shit these days in terms of people viewing it. Because if you if not you've got two, like not with two mid card guys though, surely. No, I get I know, but if you've got the wrestling topic turned on or whatever, you know, and that shit pops up and it's trending or whatever, then you know say 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 five million people see it. Some of them five million people are going to go. All right, might might, might tune into that. You know mm. what I mean? It's it's it is smart using social media. It is the modern way to do it, I guess. But like you say, it's pretty shit. You know, <laughs> we we we're, we're of an age where you, you did you did your shit on telly, but that's what I mean. They don't, they don't have any meaningful meaningful feuds anymore. It's fucking, it makes you not really want to watch it because there's there's nothing really to get your teeth into, is there? That's it. I mean, the MJF stuff was started on telly, but you know he fueled it. He fueled it and furthered it on Twitter, stuff like that, which is is a, it is a useful tool. But if it's not a work, it's just literally two guys doing what every other fucker on the planet does, and that's just air every single part of their life, no matter what, on a social media platform. Like people give a shit. I mean, obviously some people give a shit, but you know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, enough of that. Those gimps. Onto some more gimps, though. We've got another another DX yeah, reunion. Yeah, break it down for us. <laughs> We've got another DX reunion, and um, I'm pretty sure we had one last year. Like It's every year they're having one now, I think. <laughs> I know. 25 oh, years since one of the most overrated groups, in my, in, in my opinion. Yep, and mine. They're not even... I don't even rate them as that. They're sort of... They've changed history to make out that they're like the... One of the big, one of the most, one of the biggest things in the attitude era when they just weren't. DX didn't even really get going properly until Michael's fucked off. <laughs> I know, yeah. Get the, 
Yeah, he was. I think they were about. I don't even know if it was a year. Maybe a year. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. But it wasn't. It wasn't like a big period of time. Like they make out. Like yeah, it was. It was odd as fuck. Yeah, they, they put this promo picture up for next week's season premiere of Raw or whatever the fuck that means. It's on every week, for God's sake. Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's and it's clearly men approaching the sixties, looking rough as tits, <laughs> looking really rough. Well, not sixties, but mid late, mid to late fifties or something, whatever they are. I don't know how old they are now, but Elmsley Elmsley's mid fifties. I think Waltman's the youngest. Yeah, I think he's. A, I think he's about late forties, early fifties. But they all looked. They all looked fucking. It was depressing looking at the picture. I sent it to you, and I just thought they looked like absolute gimps. Do you, the, do you remember they did the reunion a few years ago where they absolutely buried FTR? That was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the Hall that... of Fame where like AEW would let Billy Gunn turn up. Awesome <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Actually, it's just reminded me of something else. Did you see Bischoff piping up the other day about the, the DX thing? I've seen him piping up saying he, he don't really like wrestling matches. That's another thing, to be fair. But I've seen this interview from him. I don't know where it was from. And he was he was talking about, you know, when DX did that thing where they like Matt, they sort of invaded WCW, where they went up. Oh, the tanks and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Bischoff was going... Oh, I, I was in a I was in a production meeting, and um, if if I'd have known they were there, I'd have told them to let him in. Would have been the, would have been the best moment in TV history and all this. It's like oh. Bischoff. There's no way you'd have been able to do that. <laughs> Not legally, but you know, no. yeah, I get what he's saying. It's, it is probably bollocks. It is Bischoff, but you know, if he could have let like let WWE proper WWE wrestlers on their TV, it's like, well, you've come to do this shit, so we'll play along. And and if Vince has got the ass, then it's it's on Vince's head anyway because he's let him do it. Would, would, just just a scenario. Would, would that have been like one of the most viewed things in the history of wrestling if that happened? If people had known it was happening, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You'd have had to be like... tuning in, really, wouldn't you? But then again, didn't WWF actually do the whole segment? So they would have been the ones getting the big views, wouldn't they? Because they'd have been watching it and then going, "Whoa, what the fuck? They're actually going in." Yeah. Oh, yeah, but. They wouldn't have filmed. They probably wouldn't have filmed inside the the building. It would have. It would have been WCW were filming inside the building, and obviously they're on at the same time. So yeah. everyone would have probably switched over. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's an interesting. It's an interesting one. It's just one of them things that probably look good on paper, but then they got there and they were like, "Oh yeah, shit, we can't really do anything else." <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just stand there <laughs> with a tank. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because because the other day Vince wouldn't have wanted them to be on Bischoff's telly and. Bischoff def- definitely would have wanted him to be on his telly, but he didn't, yeah, he, he, you know, sort of a catch well, twenty two, wouldn't it? Well, that's it. They've had McDivitt on the case straight away. You know, highly litigious Vince McMahon with any sort of gimmick infringement. <laughs> so he's like straight on it. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit cretinous. Well, it's extremely cretinous. It's just like you don't have you don't bring out like the fortieth anniversary of the Horseman or you know, yeah. can. Oh, well, I was going to say the Heart Foundation, but there's only DX who were pretty. They were sort of flashing the pan, weren't they? In the mid, in the, they weren't like innovative or anything like that. Not really. I'd have been much happy to see a 25th anniversary of the Heart Foundation, but they'd be literally Brett stood there. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Which is fucking mad. Yeah, fucking. It's just a. It's a Helmsley thing. Helms is in charge now, and he's he's always gonna. I mean, he did it when he wasn't in charge, but obviously he's he's, he's got stroke. He's always had strokes for twenty odd years. But it's not for it's not for me. I don't want to see. 
If I want to go and watch an old man in a wrestling ring, I'll watch uh, old Ricky Flair's last match. <laughs> and I, and I won't have... be watching that. <laughs> Did you have another one, or is that is that all for the cretin this week? No, no, we've got a we've got a nice little uh, rabbit rambling report, part two, from <laughs> old uh, Sean Ross Sapp of FightfulSelect.com or whatever he's called. So he's clearly not took my advice. This cunt, he's not had a day off. He's he's gone deeper and deeper and deeper, and he's gone down he's the rabbit Homer hole. Simpson, if you wish. yeah, he's he's completely brought Homer Simpson into it. <laughs> so, Mister Sap. Yeah, he's gone completely mental. He's he started getting the Simpsons involved. It's <laughs> it's it's gone. I, I don't even get what's going on. Like last week, we had him doing the Corbin Kentucky, you know, area code, zip code, postcode, whatever you want to call it, and uh, the fact that they had a hotel named after Bray Wyatt's real name and fucking Baron Corbin and some record shot, White Rabbit. He failed to mention that Corbin, Kentucky, is the home of uh, Colonel Sanders and his uh, infamous restaurant, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, so I'm surprised there was no link into that. But this is his, this is his recent stuff. Like, <laughs> I, pre- I, prefer the, I prefer the old stuff, you know, like the greatest hits. If you zoom on the newest clue... <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice went fucking weird then. If you, fuck's <laughs> sake, if you zoom on the newest clue, there's a white rabbit logo at the bottom of the site. Okay, fair enough. The file name is TS underscore S10E6, The Simpsons, Season 10, Episode 6. <laughs> fuck's sake. Hey, it gets, it gets better, it gets deeper deeper into Alex Jones territory now. <laughs> White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane is played in the episode. Well, obviously this is probably right. We all know it's going to be Bray Wyatt. And yeah. like you said last week, WWE are having the pants down of these fucking goons on the internet because they know they're going to follow the fucking White Rabbit, obviously. Yeah. like, But fuck me, man. Surely you've got other shit in your life. I know. So click it's just—it's this weird culture. It's like I need to know. I need to know. Like, just let it happen for God's sake. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so we go on. Mister Sap goes on with on the file name of the white rabbit image. There is a phone number. Eight five four eight nine. Five zero nine nine. It plays a message backwards. <laughs> when played in reverse, it says Bravo, Echo, Lima, Alpha, India, Romeo, Bel Air. So I'm expecting like the Will Smith theories to come next, or fucking Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero or something. And then it says, apparently, I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal sorrow. Well. That's that's lovely, Sean. Oh, um, it's just now I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Is that that is that one of like the like the the cut out lyrics from? Well, this is the story of about how. <laughs> have you done your own research? <laughs> I have. So yeah, it was it was cut out by Carlton after he seen his ass <laughs> with Will. No, it's not really. Apparently, it's um, it's paraphrased from a quote by. Uh, Dante Alighieri. 
So um, the quote, the original quote is, I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal pain. I am the way to go amongst the lost. Justice caused my architect to move. Divine omnipotence created me. The highest wisdom and the primal love. Before me, there were no created things. But those that last forever, as do I, abandon all hope. You who enter here. Fuck me. These fuckers have just gone off the chart fucking mental. I don't get it. I mean, these, to be fair, these fuckers who are doing it are probably learning more about, you know, you know, culture than they've ever done in their entire life because they're getting Dante <laughs> Alighieri on. But I'm not too sure. I don't know if that's Dante as in Dante's Inferno. It might be. I don't know. Could I'll have to look into that because it sounds very sort of doom and, you know, wacky fire and brimstone revelations ending of the Bible kind of thing. Yeah, it's like Jesus wept. It's getting beyond. Well, I think, every, I think every, every man and his dog knows it's Bray Wyatt. But like the one thing I think about it is, I hope it's not like I'm not, I'm not, I don't mind Bray Wyatt. But if he just comes back as that fiend, don't you think it'll be the most anticlimactic thing ever? Yeah, it'll be like the dampest squib yeah, you've ever be like, seen. Because the fiend was a shit. bit shit towards the end, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? It, it started off intriguing, then it was like, right, we've seen this now. It's because they overdo it. They sort of cartoon it all out. I mean, when Bray Wyatt started. With that sort of, you know, Cape Fear, yeah, Wayland Mercy updated fucking that was gimmick. Good. That was great. It was different. I mean, they tried it in the mid nineties with with uh, Dan Spivey's Wayland Mercy, doing the sort of Max Cade, Cape Fear stuff, and that was interesting. Then, but Spivey was shite, and he had <laughs> no fucking knees. Honestly, his knees had gone. You know, the updated version. Obviously, you can't you can't get Harper and. He's he's dead. <laughs> the other the ginger fella. It worked. No, it worked. And the little rocking chair. He's like some Bayou, you know, Louisiana Cajun flipping, gonna cut you in your sleep kind of guy. The feet, the the like the entrance music was fucking amazing. What a tune that is. Yeah, it was. That's a great tune. It was like one of those music. Those musics that just stood out straight away because it was like, whoa, this isn't like proper like overly produced WWF music, is it? No, because it was a tune before that they bought it off Mark Crozer. Absolute fucking phenomenal tune. But that was great. Yeah. And then it's just gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. They put a gimmick on a gimmick on a gimmick on a gimmick on a gimmick. And it's like, ends up just being this absolute joke. It's like, you, you used to think Bray Wyatt, legitimately, you could sort of suspend your disbelief and buy into him mm. being a fucking loony, cult leadery. You know, yeah. creepy bastard, and he was good at what he does. But it's like I remember when he came out as Husky Harris or whatever in the in the <laughs> Nexus. Yeah, and yeah, he's got he's got the sort of lineage. His his dad's fucking VK Wall Street IRS, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Chinlock, Chinlock Master. But on on his mother's side, better heritage. You know, his uncle's Barry Windham, and his granddad's Blackjack Mulligan was Blackjack Mulligan. He's dead now. You know what I mean? Great talker. He's got a hell of a legacy, hasn't he? To be fair. That's it. Black Jack Mulligan, one of the best talkers of all time. You know, Bray Wyatt's a good talker, to be fair. Well, this is what I mean. When you see him, you think, all right, so you've probably got your athleticism and and whatnot from your uncle Barry. You've got your your talking ability from your granddad, Black Jack, and uh, you've got your love of chin locks from your dad. (laughs) 
You brought your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Made me wash my old man in sink. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, he just he just got he just got gimmicked out today because Vince can't. Vince never used to be able to just like let things just be. He had yeah. to just fucking. It's like what's his face? That Chad Gable. They've completely fucking destroyed him with a multitude of fucking stupid gimmicks because it's just like he's got this gimmick. Oh well, he's not. And then you go, oh well, you could have made something of that gimmick, but you didn't put mm-hmm. your all into it. When you're saddled with dog shit, it de- it must demoralise you. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, why the fuck should I do that? I was I was in a banging tag team. My tag team partner's fucked. Now you're just giving me this horse shit shorty gimmick because I'm a bit small. He's not called that anymore, though, is he? What's he called? Chaddy G. It's just I think he's just called just called Gable, isn't he? I think. Yeah, but they've got they've got another guy called Gable, that guy um that was on WrestleMania. Oh yeah, the Olympian. Gable, not Stevenson, Stevenson. Gable Stevenson, yeah. And ain't no any in there, boys. <laughs> Such an odd last name. It is. But yeah, I mean that's that's branched out into a bit of a conversation on Bray Wyatt there, isn't it? I quite enjoyed that though. <laughs> yeah, I quite I quite I, I like him as a as a I think he's good. I like him in the ring and I think he can cut a good a good promo. He's one of the few guys that when he's given the scripted bullshit that they give him, you can buy it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know it's just not guy going uh, 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 you know, reciting lines. Yeah. Uh, you know, just spent 14 hours trying to memorise and then recites it with the passion of Lex Luger. I would rather than I would rather than bring him bring back that that old gimmick with the rocking chair and stuff like that and the light and the lantern than the fiend. Because that's that I think that's had its day that I don't think there's don't think there's any more legs in that, to be honest. Well I hope they bring back him bring him back as Husky Harris, bring back Ryback as Skip Sheffield, Curtis Axel as uh, Michael McGillicutty and Wayne Barrett's got some that's it, Michael Tarver, Wade Barrett. I'll, I'll have some bad news for us. Yeah, we'll we'll get Nexus two point <laughs> Just that you can't have Danielson choking. Not NXT. Not NXT two point Nexus two yeah, yeah, the Nexus come out come out in like rainbow flipping multicolored <laughs> fluorescent kaleidoscopic singlets. And they're ready to they're ready to tear the ring up again, literally. <laughs> Oh gosh, I almost forgot we were on credit of the week then. But what, <laughs> what are we going for? I don't know because we right. We, it's it's pretty much sort of nailed on. It's going to be Bray Wyatt. But when it comes, everyone's going to go. Yep, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, because some fucking penis decided to devote three weeks of his life to delving into the fucking yeah inner sanctum of some cretinous writer who, who's literally doing it just to send wrestling journalist idiots on this wild fucking goose chase and then it'll come and if it's not Bray Wyatt and it's someone fucking horseshit it'll be quite funny I think yeah imagine it's someone like imagine it's like they've got managed to get an early release for Andrade or something it's just someone like that <laughs> it just falls completely flat <laughs> it's Luigi P- Primo the pizza guy <laughs> he's, he's a free agent <laughs> the anti-vax rabbit that's his new nickname <laughs> right, what are we going with then? So we've got uh, Jericho, we've got the the twenty fifth anniversary of DX, Samuel Guevara, and now Mister Sean Rossap, who is becoming a regular these days. He's he's a classic Burke, but this is the, the, this is this is an extension of last week where he had to win it because last week he was moronic and 
distasteful. This week he's just carried on his moronity. And yeah, I mean, to me, I think I think if I've got to, I've got to go for flipping DX, mate, because Have you? <laughs> I just think it's cretinous. I mean, it's Helmsley just Helmsley's Helmsley's got a lot more over with me in the last couple of years than he ever did before. As a wrestler. As a wrestler yeah, I was never a big fan. We all know we all know the the, the script works with a guy that draws the money. We all know that. It tells people he doesn't act they do nice bumps, you know. Got your nuts you know, like hanging out your shorts. Nuts like hanging out your shorts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking deal. <laughs> but I just think it's like, mate, Vince is gone now. He's the guy who's been like trying to get you guys over as this sort of guy, this sort of firebrands who started this, you know, the hottest period in his, his company's history. But it's not really true. And you you know it's not really true. And Michael's was, I think Michael's is just sort of fucking ambivalent and just goes out and looks shell-shocked every time with his eyes so far back in his head, you know, he's seeing the seeing his skull. He just he just looks like an old man who don't know where he is half the time. Yeah, Michaels looks fucked, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> he does, and then you got flipping Brian James, Road Dog, who's like a fifty odd year old man with a tattoo on the back of his head and didn't think, you know, I might regret that when I'm he, older he was and begging, have to wear a suit. He was begging for a job off uh, Tony Khan the above. Yeah, and then they had him back because Helmsley came in. It's fucking yeah, he's 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 a weasel, which is a shame because you know, you know, we, we love his brother's mullet. So <laughs> are you going with DX then? I've got to go with DX because it's it's fucking tragic on a scale that is that is getting to flare levels. Mm, I was gonna go Jericho, but I can't really argue with DX, to be fair. He's it's just it's moronity, isn't it? It's just like, come on, lads, let's have a day off. But the thing is, right, Jericho, you know Jericho's going to wind up here again. You know fucking Sap's going to come again. Sam, Sammy Guevara's probably going to come again. DX, it's very rare we have a, a WWE yeah. talent or group on here because they're usually reined in from doing the stupid bullshit on Twitter or, you know, wherever. And the fact that it's a guy that's running the fucking company, to a degree, it makes it even fucking worse. So absolute, absolute moron, Paul Levesque, and his uh, his cretinous cronies that he uh, brings with him. Push <laughs> down, <laughs> DX winners. Yeah, fifty-year-old men telling you to uh, don't break the rules. You know, <laughs> let's give it a second. <laughs> yeah, when you've got a fifty-odd-year-old man telling young children in the crowd to suck it, it don't really work, does it? No. Yeah, it's definitely a product of its time, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. What we're going to do, we're going to move on to something that's not going to be as as insane as it was last week. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to our Fall Brawl episode, but me and Mark, Jesus Christ, we uh, we lost the plot a little bit talking about this, this young fella. We're going to see what old Ricky Flair's been up to again in another edition of Woo Watch. Woo! So he's back. He's back once again. What's him and convicted rape, convicted rapist Mike Tyson. Him and him and uh, old Ricky Flair are on what I've liked to dub the Woo World Tour. <laughs> so these two fucking nefarious characters are wandering around the United States of America to states that weed is legal to promote their joint venture. 
of Ric Flair drip with a guy called Chad Bronstein. <laughs> so so they're in a beer garden somewhere. Some guy's lighting some shit. Tyson is in some sort of aquamarine turquoise number suit. And you've got Flair, like the guy who's trying to hang out with the cool kids with a spliff in his gob in a checked suit and about, you know, 100 grams worth of gold around his neck. Like, just sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Film me, mate. I want to be filming Mike Tyson. It's fucking tragic. It's like he's 73. It's the hand it's the hand on the shoulder of Mike like trying to get his attention. It's like yeah. just stop, Rick. Just stop. <laughs> Pick me, Mike. Pick me. <laughs> oh, it's just it is quite it is quite depressing actually, just to see what he's become at it. Do you know what I mean? You know, a legend of the business is just reduced to just sponsoring and fucking getting involved in advertising for just the biggest load of shite you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> And the only reason that Tyson's probably endorsing this shit or, make, or you know, getting him to endorse weed is because of that song. Yeah. Because there's no pun unless, what's it going to be called? Woo weed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even make sense, does it? Ric Flair drink. You'd think, you'd think if, if you're going to, that's going to be like a vodka or something or, do you know what I mean? Like a drink rather than weed. It doesn't even make sense, does it? I'm not really up on the sort of hip hop parlance these days. So, what is a drip though? Is it is it is it a liquid like, or is um, it dri- dripping in gold? Is it or something? Yeah, like it's like oh, he's he's look at it, drip, he's dripping in it, and you know what I mean. It's like one of them. That he's got well, he's got some that. serious drip. I get that because I don't. I can't remember what the guy's called. I think he's the guy who's married to that fucking wap fucking woman with the, with the fanny. What's she called? <laughs> with the fanny. <laughs> Well, what's the, oh, it's called uh, wet, wet ass pussy or something, isn't Daddy it? Daddy B or something. Right, yeah. I think he's married to her, and I think he's from like the south, like north, north South Carolina, wherever. So obviously, he's obviously grown up watching Flair on the telly because obviously it was massive Crockett and Mid Atlantic yeah. and that. So when when you watch all Flair promos from the eighties, he's got like he goes on. He's like, I got the gold Rolex watch. I've got the six hundred dollar Gucci alligator fucking skin shoes, and I've got mm. like the finest tailored suits and all that. So their idea of a wealthy, you know, big time Charlie is Rick fucking Flair, a la nineteen eighties. And it's you know, it's I get I get why they were sort of like paying homage to him. I get that. Yeah. But he has run with that till the wheels have fallen off, and he's about years ago, didn't they? It's a good three or four years old. But oh, yeah. he's he has he has latched onto that and fucking gone with it it's like fair <laughs> fair play to him you know it's like it's not even an idea he's come up with well, he's but, making millions off it well i say millions he's making a bit of money off it out of it i don't know if he's making millions no. <laughs> <laughs> he probably gets royalties from that song though every time it gets played because he's sort of he's he's in it isn't he yeah probably but <sighs> Yeah, it's just craziness. I mean, and it's like Arizona next, woo, and all this. It's like, oh fuck's sake, there's more to come. The woo world. This tour. is what I mean. The woo world tour. You know, is uh, <clears throat> it's on. It's probably on its first date of about hundred. And this is this is just this is just going to go like a juggernaut until that until we get the black screen. Rick sadly passed away this morning. Do you know what I mean? We're going to get that. It's, Rick it's, it's going to be. Away. Yeah, Rick it's going to be away, never man. ending. With Rick, Rick Flair dripping hand, Mount Everest on the tongue. <laughs> yeah. 
like an iron bar with my <laughs> with Mike Tyson <laughs> over and going, it's all right, it's all right. We'll get we'll get you some more Wickfield whip. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. He's going to fuck off Tyson that much. He's just going to drop him and possibly <laughs> rape <end>. him. <laughs> Maybe. Who fucking knows? But yeah, this this is a gift that keeps on giving, as we always say. Rick, love you in the ring. Love you on the mic. Not these days. Don't love you really as a human being, but you provide us with some serious entertainment every week. And, you know... I mean, we're not making money off you, but you know, we're certainly uh, certainly enjoying your content that you're providing, mate. Cheers, Rick. Can't wait for your next Mont Everest fucking advert. <laughs> anyway, though, let's let's get to the meat and two veg of the matter, as as a great man once said. <laughs> uh, we are, um, as always, on Monday. We are venturing to the world of Mr. Bischoff and his his world of WCW Monday Nitro. Monday Nitro, 16th of September, 1996, Asheville, North Carolina, home of FTR. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say Flair, but FTR are bigger and better now. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, certainly. gentlemen like larry said we could have won war games sting came in and you know i have an apology to make to sting i said we all said he was the newest member of the nwo that was wrong that was incorrect he obviously was in japan we should have known this was not there last monday he came in he was you know it's too late for apologies sting is a sensitive man Someone says he hurt his feelings, no one trusting him. If you're going to be a sensitive individual, get a job working for Mother Teresa. This is war against the new world order. And as far as Savage goes, what happened with Elizabeth? Ric Flair spend all his alimony? I have no idea. I wouldn't trust her either. But by winning war games, the NWO now in full force earlier tonight. Here at the arena, as a matter of fact... So, uh, Larry Zabisco's dressed normal, Mark. What's going I know, on he's not, got his, uh, he's not got his shit shirt on, has he, this week? <laughs> I look forward to see what atrocity he's got on this week, but you've let me you let me down this week. It was shocking. He was he looked he looked dapper. Looked, yeah, looked very, better word. He actually looked quite smart in a way. The show is it in pictures, don't they? Because they obviously don't want to show you the full thing. Yeah, let's reorder the replay and all that as they always do day after day after a pay per view, and they're all just sort of down in the dumps about Sting, and they they wish they'd trusted him and all this. And 
Larry says he, he was like, oh, if you'd have trusted Sting like this, I'm not sure he said that. I'm not sure he said that at all. I don't think he said that once. <laughs> no. They fucking apologised to him, and it's like, now it transpires, Sting was, was in, in Japan. Japan. And fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> not not one person knew he was in Japan. Not Bischoff, the guy who fucking executive produces the show. Not any of the fucking, not the booker, not the fucking, you know, the agents or whatever. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then Larry goes on a fucking rant saying he's, it's too late for apologies. Sting is a bit sensitive. If you want to be sensitive, get a job working for Mother Teresa. This is war. <laughs> He's absolutely useless sometimes, isn't he? What the, <laughs> that is the worst like analogy. Get a job for Mother Teresa. What? <laughs> it's so random. He don't even trust. He don't trust Elizabeth either. No. And then it comes to NWO shirted goons hanging out, pro- handing out propaganda at the arena. And the NWO man demands will be met. Yeah, it was a, there was a lot of this, wasn't there, in the show? We'll get to it later on, though. But we um, we got to our opening contest of the evening. Uh, again, just sort of out of nowhere match, really. wasn't you know wasn't mentioned at all in the weeks previous. But it's our old mate, Juventud Guerrero. The Mr. Um, Bean of Lucha Libre, yeah. <laughs> the the Lucha Corn, as you've, uh, you've coined him, against... A man who is can sort of do no wrong, really, on this entire run through so far, Mister Rey Mysterio Junior. Not at uh, the moment. No, he uh, is defending his cruiserweight title against Hoovy. As as usual, nice little pop for Ray. Not quite Tarrant level, but you know, it's a it's always in the it's always in the conversation. I put in my notes. I can't. I couldn't believe they they put him in with Hoovy. I put it's either a train wreck or it could be a classic. Um, I put this. I've put, not sure what to expect here. Could be an absolute gatuso. <laughs> sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Exactly. <laughs> what did you think of this one then? Stop press, shock horror. Even to Guerrero had a good match. He did. He did. <laughs> Which was... is not what I was expecting, really. And I'm just surprised he, he he still wrestled the night after because he took some fucking bumps like that the night before. Not just over the steps, but, you know, in his match as well. Yeah. <laughs> that was the biggest oh, bump of them all, that. that that's possibly the, my favourite bump. It's probably possibly my favourite thing in wrestling at the moment, ever. <laughs> just watching that gif back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I've got it on repeat. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think then? Talk us through your your thoughts on this one. Okay, so it starts nice. Ray works the arm into a crucifix backbreaker hold, which was nice. Hoovy DDTs him. It was it was it was good stuff. He gets two. Then he does a sack of shit fall away, slam for two. Ray does a lovely leg grapevine and slams it into the mat, working the knee, grounding he grounds Albocho, doesn't he? Nice back elbow by Hoovy and a nice wheel kick by Ray. There's not a lot of selling going on. <laughs> No, it's it's very. There's a lot of no selling in there, but uh, you sort of expect it, really. That's it. Springboard crossbody by Hoovy into a drop kick by Ray. No matter who does it, I do love that spot. Yeah, it's great. It's a great little spot. Springboard hurricane runner outside by Ray, and then it goes to a fucking break. <laughs> Just as it was getting going as well. Yeah, this 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 is a pattern throughout the match, and then another pattern is NWO t-shirt ad again, the same one as last week. Do love that little t-shirt ad, but you know, mid-match, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hoovy's on top as we come back. There's a vicious drop kick by Hoovy, like he proper 
wants yeah. him in the gut. Going after that sort of taped area on Ray's stomach, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was smart. You know, good psychology. Yeah. Springboard wheel kick, which was fucking lovely by him. There's a baseball slide. There's a springboard moonsault. And Ray starts selling quite well then. Yeah. There's a springboard 450 for two, but he didn't hit it all. So, you know, it makes sense to only get the two. Yeah. It was a little bit short, wasn't he? A little bit, yeah. But I think that was smart to only get the two because that should have been a finish if he'd hit it properly. Yeah. Top rope hurricane rider for two. Cuts to the NWO picket line type thing outside. And we nearly missed the fucking finish. Then, uh, Hoovy goes to powerbomb off the top. Ray counters with a fucking mid-air Hurricane Rana. Possibly one of the most creative fucking moves I have ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely world-class, that, would it? It was unbelievable, that. It was fucking... And do you know what the best thing about it is? It's probably a more creative move than any of the sort of high-flying stuff I see these days. And far less dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely mint, on it? It's just... yeah. It, it was a great little TV match opener, like, but the fucking finish was superb. That's two two amazing finishes in a row for Ray. Yeah, that beautiful yeah. double springboard at the pay per view, and then this amazing counter. Ray Ray is absolutely world class. At this such a young age, he's just yeah, it's, it's criminal how good he he was. Yeah, he's really becoming you know in my top five at the moment for uh, for this sort of run. MDDP, yeah. Malenko, you know Benoit. These are guys that you can rely on, and Arn Anderson obviously you can rely on every week to do something. They'll yeah. always do something good. There's no there's no shite. It's, there's no sort of like wasted opportunities. They always like Ray Mysterio, Ray Mysterio is fucking pulling out the bag, but everything makes sense. It's not like yeah. just spot for the sake of spot. Who is a bit spotty? For mm-hmm. me, whereas, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's far too many springboards, but I get, I get it. It makes you sense know, in the match between these two, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Rey Mysterio's the ultimate underdog. I love how he just pulls out of the bag yeah. at the end. And it's always creative as well. It's always yeah. creative as well. It's like always like, whoa, like you just don't expect it. Like, proper innovative, comes out of nowhere. He's just like, he's just... I hate to use, I use this term about him. He's generational. He's a generational talent. He really is. Yeah. He's Erling Haaland. <laughs> but yeah, I really, it was actually quite a good TV opener, wasn't it? It was, it had really nice, you know, high, high points to it. Yeah, it really was. And then we cut to Mike Tanay backstage. Still no jeans, still having his contract issues. He's with Benoit, Mongo, and uh, the female Lex Luger, Deborah McMichael. And we are joined by Steve and Deborah McMichael, along with the Canadian crippler Chris Benoit. I think it was quite obvious that your presence was missed last night at the War Games. Let me tell you what, Lex. You better go find Sting and beg him to come back and get in this match, brother. Because I made you a promise. If you let the horseman down at War Games, what was going to happen to you? And baby, tell the world what happens when your husband makes well, a promise. i tell you what, Lex and Sting, you better watch out. Because my husband made a great living in the NFL for 15 years by beating up pumped up little bullies like you guys. So you better watch out. Chris Benoit tonight in hour number two of Nitro. Yourself, Steve Mongo McMichael against Lex Luger and Sting. We prophesied that Sting and Lex would debilitate the team. You crossed the path. You crossed the horseman's path. That path is merciless. Unforgetful. Prepare yourself to pay the price. And we are back with more Monday Nitro right after this. The mullet is awful. This is one of the worst segments we've ever seen. Yeah. 
it's, 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 it's as bad, if not worse, than the Sherry uh, yeah. Robert Parker shit. It got worse as it went on, and and I know it did. And and to be fair, it, Benoit was the worst out of all of them, which is which is saying something. Yeah, Benoit's mullet is fucking awful. As I said, he says Mongo's presence was missed at Fall Brawl. He tells Luger to beg Sting to come back for some reason. Deborah's fucking abysmal. Yeah, she's awful. Really, right? The Ben, the Benoit thing. What he says is actually quite good. It's like he's, it's like he's, you know, like really took the time to think and look in a thesaurus, and he's he makes these sort of big words and these sort of profound statements, and he can't he deliver it at he all. Can't deliver them right at all. That's no problem. He cannot. He is. He is a postal strike. He's a work, walking postal strike. He cannot deliver for shit. <laughs> it's where it's rare that you get a segment of Mongo's the best part of it. <laughs> And then, yeah, I know, but what he did at the end, he just went, like, what the fuck was that about? He's doing his best Chewbacca impression. Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> he's, fucking, he's, he's an odd, odd man. Get well soon, by the way, Mongo. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that was that was bad, but oh boy, did it get worse after that. <laughs> oh yeah, we get a fucking Glacier package. He's on the fucking show. <laughs> Glacier's a spirit inside of me. The name Glacier was given to me by my master. It's an, an appreciation for the elements, the awesome strength and the power that's derived from the elements. There's a lot of excitement because Bruce Lee just hit superstardom. People like that got me excited about wanting to study martial arts. I had a burning desire inside of me, told me that's where I needed to go to learn. So I traveled thousands and thousands of miles and finally ended up in Kyoto, Japan. And what I found was an old master who took me in as a student. I was very happy to let him become my sensei, which in Japanese means teacher. He took a bunch of styles, combined the best of those styles, and came up with an awesome style that was passed along to me. throughout my travels across the world, especially in Japan. When I was out teaching what I knew, I met some of Japan's most phenomenal wrestlers. And they taught me what they knew. I have now taken a great experience in wrestling and a great experience in martial arts and put the two together to develop a style that I think is superior. The armor and the mask that I wear to the ring are both examples of what I consider a tribute to gladiators throughout the last hundreds of years. In the Japanese language, symbols are used rather than letters. The symbol on my belt is a symbol for the universe. The symbol that is on my face above my eye is a symbol of ice. The symbol that is on my back is a shield that is made into an ancient Japanese face of evil. It always reminds me that this could always be evil lurking behind my back. But that's why I wear it. It's a symbol of respect and honor. A glacier is what's known as a, a mass of moving ice. That's what I am. I'm a mass moving towards whoever my opponent is. To conquer that opponent and win at any cost as long as it's within the rules. Be cool. But honestly, right, it was it was labeled as a special look at Glacier by I think 
it was Tony or whoever announced it. Yeah. And it's like this. I've got a few of the little little cliff notes from what he said. His name, Glacier, was given to him from his master. It comes from the power derived from the elements. He's traveled thousands and thousands of miles to Japan to become a student of this sensei or whatever. And his armor and mask is a tribute to all the warriors for hundreds of years. He's 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 taken a tribute to every every warrior, ancient warrior throughout, you know, the history of Japan and all this. And it's absolutely tragic. And and, and I don't understand how anyone can sound this boring in a pre-tape. It's the I most put this, I put that how is this so bad? It's a fucking pre-tape. <laughs> Do they not watch it and go, We'll leave that off? <laughs> it's yeah. honestly tragic. Take, take two, Glacier. <laughs> and uh, and and all you know right now is that Bishop's backstage throbbing. <laughs> Absolutely throbbing. It's like, oh, my master plan has come to fruition. It's fucking horrendous. It's so bad. It really is. I mean, if 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 our listeners, uh, if you haven't seen this little package, just try and find it. It's utterly. It's it, it's just incredible. It's beggars belief that they put this on telly. Mark, I'm going to have to put it in. I'm going to have to. <laughs> You're going to have to, aren't you? I'm going to have to. <laughs> oh dear. Um, it was just really bad. But then we got someone who we are definitely fond of seeing on our TV screens on a weekly basis. Mr. We Diamond Dallas Page, um, fresh off another belting match on the pay-per-view. He's coming up against someone a bit different this time, a bit different challenge, that is, in an old ice train, accompanied by his manager, Teddy Long, the block artist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was very much like... Uh, I didn't expect this. I was expecting some sort of continuation of the Eddie thing, but no sign of that yet. I think he's in Japan still, Eddie. Is he? Is that what it is? Yeah, probably. Mm, that's a shame. Hopefully we'll we'll see that develop in the next few weeks. There was some actual clear DDP chance in the crowd. Quite loud. Oh yeah, he gets a proper pop as well. Yeah, like he gets a bigger one every week, doesn't he, almost? This is pure organic turning. It's great. It's great yeah. to watch week to week. Because you could just he just oozes charisma, doesn't he? You just want to get behind him. He's so must watch. Yeah. I mean he co- he comes out, he's got that tune. Yeah. Smells like yoga. And he just it's just oozing out of him the cigar, the sunglasses, the permed mullet. It's <laughs> he it's stands like, out. Like, well, that's it, it's like Rudy Voller goes Las Vegas, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad watch. <laughs> it's, it does sound like a dodgy German porno, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Follow Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> he's against the ice train. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say he's against Klinsman or fucking Mateus or something. <laughs> ice train comes out, and I, I please don't clip me up and just say that I'm being like, like stereotyped. He reminds me of Powerhouse Hobbs so much. Just his body type and like his pet is like the way he moves. He reminds me of Powerhouse Hobbs. I just love his fucking shit music. I think it's so <laughs> shit. It, I love it. <laughs> I, I, I do get where you're coming from with that. You know what I mean? He is, he is a big dude, big, big old unit like Hobbs. Do you know what I mean? And he's got like a similar sort of move set as well, like where he's like all power and. He just he just reminds me of him, and and people probably if we ever if we ever made it big, people would probably clip that up and call me a racist or something. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, he does give me little vibes of him. 
I like I like powerhouse Hobbs as well, so I don't mind a bit of ice trade either. Yeah, I don't mind him at all. He's he's got he's he's got redeeming features to be fair. Yeah, he does. But he's sort of he he's all about the power in it because he, he he's he's a big dude, he controls things early on. DDP, as he usually does, makes him look great. He really does his best to put over whoever he's in the ring with. Hundred percent. But then DDP starts to take over and get a bit of a nasty streak. So that's driving his boot into the face and the neck as well, which was always like that for some reason. It just looks quite vicious. Yep. And then he sort of, he continues to work the head and neck with like neck breaker. And he sort of he tries to signal early for the diamond cutter, but but ice ice trade counters it into a really nice belly to belly. And then he sort of hits a, a, a cool looking bear hug spine, but I thought he was gonna lock him in a bear hug for like two minutes, and I was like, oh god. And then he hits a nice sort of bear hook spine buster again, and he, he follows it with his power, big power slam. Teddy Long was getting involved again for a bit, and then he was sort of that just sort of went on a bit. Yeah, uh, it's weird. This he's meant to be babyface. Meant to be babyface. And this this whole towel bullshit is the only fucker who brings a towel to the ring. Yeah, obviously. It's, yeah, they start, started that the other week, didn't they? And it's sort of now becoming a bit of a thing. But this was the next bit was the bit that was very very frustrating about the match. Yep. So it, it cuts to the NWO group and they've locked down some merchandising stand and they're saying who would buy this crap and all this. And then we hear like the bells ringing in the background and, and they're all and the commentary team are like, oh, well, uh, Ice Train's won this match. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm thinking, one, why have they put Ice Train over? Two, why are we not looking at it? And then and then it sort of cuts back and it's not it's like the commentators weren't even watching what happened either it was just fucking it was yeah. a train wreck wasn't it it's part of the pun it was a train wreck <laughs> nice train wreck <laughs> um it was do you know what it reminded me of it just reminded me of the lack of communication when it comes to hour two it's just yeah. like no one's no one's talking to each other it's just an app it was an absolute botch yeah big time. and and we missed and we missed to be fair quite an innovative finish yeah. like great little heel bit where he's like, like Long's on the on the apron and and he's got him in the full Nelson ice train and and Paige grabs the towel and throws it in so King Patrick thinks um, thinks that Teddy Long throws the towel in although in in, in a way it doesn't make sense because you can clearly see that Teddy Long's guy has the advantage clearly but... yeah but it, it kind of made sense as well because obviously Teddy Long had thrown in a towel what two weeks previous yeah. so it's sort of he's got a history of doing it so it kind of works in that regard. But you've got a fucking show, is it? <laughs> and then at least have your commentators explain the finish better because they were all going, Ice Train's won this match. And I'm like, what? Why is Ice Train beating DDT? I thought it completely fucking ruined a decent match, to be fair. Yeah, I thought it was all right. No need to be showing these. Like, it's not even like you're cutting to Hogan or, you know, Hogan, Nash, Hall, whoever else doing something in the background. You can kind of justify it then. But it's just a bunch yeah. of little, little gimps in t shirts knocking down a merchandise. Show it after the break. Just show them doing yeah. it after the break. You don't need to show us that in a match. Yeah. You just say, during the break, we, we, we'll show you what happened during the break and it cuts to that. Do you know what I mean? It's... And then we had a break, funnily enough, and it had like a little pre-tape promo with Conan who's put that accent on tar thick. He, put it he on wasn't talking that, about he? that. Yeah, he wasn't talking like that originally. And yeah. it was just wittering on. And then when it comes back, we get, uh, we get Sean Waltman in the crowd. <laughs> and they're just like, they name drop him as well, don't they? They're like, oh, he used yeah, to be former one, two, three, former kid, one... yeah, yeah. And it was like, I didn't expect them to say that. To be fair, you say he's been released from the WWF, yeah, which was interesting. Dropping their name on was an interesting one, yeah. 
I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm just, I'm just going to show him like they did with DiBiase. Yeah. I was wrong. Larry oh. makes the instant link, though, doesn't he? He's like, oh, is he He must be NWO. He must be. You know, yeah. Like... Just, 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 you know, spoil it for us, Larry. Yeah. Cheers. So there's an interesting dynamic tonight. So Hoovy and Ray have swapped partners, basically. Yeah. Because next we get Conan and old uh, fragilistic Expelladocious. For the Mexican belt. <laughs> also known as the AAA world title. This is it. So it's like the clash of dog shit ring <laughs> I was just thinking all, all my love and adjuration that I gave to Callow at the pay-per-view was maybe running out yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the pay-per-view thing, you know, I think Ray got the best out of him, let's be honest. <laughs> Conehead comes out doing like West Side gang signs. It's like fucking hell, man! But he's still got the he's still got the fucking dungeon music, which dungeon is music, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm sorry, but hanging around with Jimmy Hart, gangster as fuck. <laughs> Arriba la raza. <laughs> yeah, they just they just stood on a on on a street corner drinking forties. You know, Jimmy Hart's got one of them cars that bounces like hydraulic cars. Thinks he's in fucking gin and juice video, Snoop Dogg gin and juice video. <laughs> The crowd's it's into Callow, though, off the back of that pay-per-view. I know. I, I'm not, I don't blame him. I was into Callow off the back of that pay-per-view. Yeah, same. <laughs> Conehead starts with big elbows and a clothesline. There's a crucifix by Callow. Conehead is clunky as fuck when anticipating moves. So nothing flows. Remember on the pay-per-view where he's against Hoovy and yeah. Hoovy does like a, goes through a back elbow springboard off the guardrail. And he sort of pushes him into the guardrail, stops, instead of following up, and then lets Hoover do his sprint. He's like, he's clunky as fuck. There's no sort of flow to it. He's like, he's clearly stopping to anticipate. There was another one in this match. He just stood there and watched Callow doing his springboard stuff. He's not even even selling the last move or anything. He's just going, going, come on, go on. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's not like it's not like Callow took ages to set it up either. It was like it was quite instant, but no. he just sort of stood no. there watching him. It's so bad. He's so clunky. I don't know why. I think he's probably moved to Mexico, done a bit of wrestling in Mexico. Apparently, he's massive in Mexico, right? But I don't know. I've never been. But it's like he tries to do this Mexican style, and he fucking cannot do it. No. For shit. And it always um, makes his matches bad when he tries to do it. Oh god, yeah. There's a there's a good arm drag by uh, by Super Callow, a nice seven point three on the old steamboat. That'll do. And then there's a massive fucking ginormous spontaneous Tope Suicida <laughs> by Super Callow. And he hits the fucking rail hard, man. Yeah, big time. Underhook suplex off the top by Conehead, and he starts stretching him. It's a gut wrench power bomb. Head scissors by Callow, a seven point seven on the old steamboat after that. He kicks Conehead. Into the rail, uh, springboard moonsault. Conehead just waiting and watching him. Honestly, just waiting and watching, waiting to catch him, and catches him. It was fucking piss poor. Really bad, wasn't it? Really bad. <laughs> just like a pop every time you go Conehead. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a two foot on the ropes. Conehead drop kicks the leg and works it. <laughs> Lariat ties Callow up. He has some. Uh, he has some nice submission moves. To be fair, Conan, I'll give him that. Yeah, I'd much rather watch him against the Malenko or somebody like that. That'd yeah, be more quite technical, interesting. More of a yeah. Match, yeah, we might actually put him over then. Maybe. Um, 
Callow drop kicks Conehead on second rope. Uh, he botches a Hurricane Rana because Conehead's a big clunky fucker. Yeah. And Conehead lands flat on him. Fucking flat on him. Yeah, that was that was nasty, that one, wasn't it, really? That was scary. I mean, he's a big fucking bastard, isn't he? Two, 250, 260, is he? Maybe more. Yeah, he's a fucking unit, isn't he? Then sort of samey shit. Always going out. Always going outside. Everything he does. As soon as he does a move to him, he'll go outside Conad because he can then do his fucking springboard bullshit outside. Right? Yeah. That nutty missile drop kick outside again where he lands fucking right on his hip. Mad yeah. bastard. <laughs> Carol takes a corner bump and he lands on his fucking neck. That was horrible. I'm, just watching, that. I'm watching this just going, fucking hell, last night Hoover, he's just... But Cal, I mean, to be fair, Callow's doing it a bit himself. But I think I just think Conad's I think the constant, I mean, the constant in it is is Conad. I think he's sloppy as fuck. Yeah, when he is. tries to do all this lucha bullshit, Conad hits some mad bear hug brain buster, which looked pretty fucking cool. I'll give him that. Yeah, for two. And I was like, this is this is getting fucking boring. He does an Alabama slam for two, and it's just false finish fest. And then he does a razor's edge for free, or a or a big damn splash moaning, as he called it last time. <laughs> I, I actually think that Super Calo still comes out of this with a bit of credit in the bank for me because he actually did some good mm. stuff in it. And Conad was the one who was quite frankly dragging the match down quite a few notches. I couldn't agree more. I mean, he's he's not good, is he? He's just not good. No. I've not been impressed really with anything not. anything we've seen of him, not of his talking, not of his wrestling, not of any of the stuff he's been involved in. Not even his Mexican accent. It's not a great Mexican accent. <laughs> you know, I'll still watch Super Callow's matches with a bit of excitement after that pay-per-view and the little elements they had in this match. But yeah. Conad is just... He's getting more prominent on the show. I think that's the most annoying thing. Yeah, I preferred it when you just saw him once a month on a pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, and he was just sat, sat stum in the crowd, looking like the incognito tab. <laughs> so yeah, that's another another Conad classic in the books. Fuck's sake! <laughs> but then we get to old Iron Mike again, the the non rapist. Answers here. Well, I'm gonna get, try and get to the bottom of this. We surely haven't seen you in an awful long time in a wrestling ring in North America. What's the story? Why exactly are you here? I try to keep incognito here today. I've been in Japan doing a little deal over there. I hear Nitro's the hottest show going today. I thought I'd come check it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you're here. What's the reason? I wanted to come last night. That big War Games match. The biggest cage match going today. Who won that match anyhow? I was in the I was on the plane on the way here. Who won that match? Anyhow? Are you kidding? Everybody in this building knows very obviously that the New World Order was victorious at war game. Oh, they did? Oh. Darn it. We need to take a commercial break. More Monday Nitro after this. He's ringside with <laughs> with Waltman. And and uh, Waltman said he I, I was only trying to be cog- incognito. Well, shut up on that. <laughs> he couldn't stand out more if he tried. Is it me or is he off his fucking head? He probably was. He sounds he fucked. Was. He sounds wasted, mate. Yeah, he did. He probably was though, wasn't he? Let's be honest. The people he was knocking about with, especially fucking Scott Hall. 
Um, Soma, Soma crew. <laughs> he said he wanted to come and check out the hottest t- hottest ticket in town, the hottest show in wrestling. And he and he wants he wants Mike to fill him in on what happened in the cage, Mac. He doesn't know he was flying back from Japan or something. So he's he's he's, he's trying to play the stupid card. He's none the wiser. So that was all right, I suppose. It was quite. No, it was I thought quite... it was horse shit. Did you not like it? No, I thought the fact that he interviewed him made it look like an angle. I just thought it was it just fucked it for me. With Dibiossi, they didn't go up to Dibiossi and start chatting to Dibiossi, did they? No. You know what I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know, I just, it made it look shit and stagey, and and it's and this is this is where I'm going. Yeah, this is slowly becoming bollocks. This now, yeah. This this, this was an this was an episode where it was like, uh, like we'll get to more of it as we go on. Yeah. But, but speaking of pieces of shit, here's Hugh Morris. Uh, oh, wait, about Brad Armstrong's hair. <laughs> <laughs> so Hugh Morris is doing a little, you know, one of those little. Coming up next promos, and you know, oh my god, yeah. and, he, and he, he's just saying a sentence, and then he's going, <laughs> and then he talks again, and then he laughs again, and it's this the worst shit ever. I hate yeah, it's it. like pa- pound shop, fucking Jim Neidhart, isn't it? It's fucking dreadful. He's so bad, he's one of the worst things on the show. Whenever he's on it, I cannot stand him. I every time he's on it, I want to turn it off. I hate him, he's so bad, yeah, he's, um, he's atrocious, he's really bad. So he's coming up against a man who, who's we hadn't seen for ages, but then he's sort of come back on TV last few weeks. Um, I quite like him, to be fair. A bit of Brad Armstrong. Um, I love I love Brad Armstrong in the ring. I think he's superb. One of the in terms of like he's, he's what they they call him like a workers worker. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like people love working with him. Did you not think though that he got he got quite a good reaction for someone who's sort of just classed as a sort of almost like an enhancement guy. Yeah, of course he did, because he's, he's Bob Armstrong's son. He's got American fucking gimmick, like American... He's in the Deep South. He's from the South. You know, he's he's always going to get over. He's he, he's the guy that Cornette wanted to be his, wanted to be his top babyface in Smoky Mountain, but he was unavailable. He was he big big time on him. He's, he's a good little worker. He just can't cut a promo. Yeah, I mean, when I, when, I, when I was looking at it, I was just thinking to myself, imagine looking at both of these blokes, like, just, uh, you know... Just without any context, in what world would you want to put Hugh Morris as in more of a prominent position than than the other guy? Do you know what I mean? Hugh Morris looks like a piece of shit. He can't. He just. He he doesn't look like a. He doesn't look like anything that Brad Armstrong. He's got a good body. You know, he's he's a pretty handsome looking guy. You would create haircut. Even even the haircut. <laughs> even the haircut stands out more than anything Hugh fucking Morris does. It does, it I does. just, I just hate you, Morris. I'm sorry. I don't know if you could tell. Um, yeah, Bill Demott is the fucking dirt worst. He really is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brad Armstrong's pretty good in the ring, isn't he? And it, he just gets shot on in this match. To be fair, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't have put him against that chuckling cretin anyway. No, <laughs> you know what I mean, he just does does nothing for him really. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. But. Brad Armstrong has the most obscene 80s high school film music. You know, like, he's just got the girl at the end yeah. of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's fucking... That, that mullet's a horror show, but I love it. I do. I really do. So, Hugh Morris... I keep what, calling him Bill DeMott, but uh, Hugh Morris overpowers Brad. Headlock, drop down, leapfrog, shoulder. Pretty standard stuff. And then starts kicking him, clubbing him. Brad face plants him. And a corking, absolute corking 8.5... On the steamboat from Brad Armstrong. Woo! Corker. 
what a, that guy knows how to do his fundamentals like fucking top. He's, and then he does a top tier drop kick. It's one of the best drop kicks I've ever his seen. Standing drop kick is absolutely stunning, isn't it? It really is. Then they lock up again. He shoulders to Brad's. He does shoulders to Brad's gut in the corner. Corner splashes. Big lariat. Small uh, small package hope spot for two by Brad. He does a power slam and a moonsault. Fat boy moonsault. He does a lazy cover. And then uh, old Brad Mysterio's in by sneaking a crucifix and putting him for free. Do you know what I mean? it was? I, you know what it was? I popped like fuck for that finish. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. You have to pull out a moonsault and I'll just fucking crucifix you. Loved it. I absolutely popped like fuck. I was like, yes, get in. <laughs> I hate, I hate Hugh, I hate Hugh Morris, and I think Brad Armstrong's great. And even if I didn't like Brad Armstrong, he was always wanted to be on my. Guy to win that. <laughs> I thought it was an inoffensive match. Brad's great. Hugh Morris is not. And he gets the hour two. Is this the, the starts of a feud potentially, or is it just a one-off? Do you think? I hope not. I hope they just. I hope they just put Brad. I know. I know Brad don't go anywhere. So I kind of hope they put Brad against you know half decent guys, and we can get some decent Joe you know, good matches. Yeah. Because and I know I know he's there to just put guys over. He's not a jobber, but he's more like he's like a name, yeah. That you know is solid, and you can get you can get quality out of him. But like I said, uh, to get our two right, fucking again, oh, fucking yeah. shock horror. That's two in a row, two weeks in a row. That I think so, maybe or it made made the matter cop to week up. Like, no, it, they did it, and then they didn't do it last week, and now they've done it again, right? And you yeah. get uh, Eric, Eric and Bobby there coming for our two, and straight to a break, pointless. <laughs> But then we, we come back, don't we? Uh, old Macho's coming down. Another great pop. Another great pop oh, yeah. for him, as, as you expect. Fucking pop. Did it? Did it? No? Did he not get it? I, I hate to give it to him again, but he has. He's took it again, and he's probably the most over thing on the show at the minute. He is. And he is. Macho Man gets, I think it's three weeks in a row, he's got the Tarrant pop. He has got the Chrissy T. He is the king of the Chrissy T at the moment. Isn't he, is, he can't. He can't be beaten. No, no one gets a reaction quite like him. Unfortunately, um, not even Lord Woodentop. No, and not even not even Flair the other week when he was in his own. Well, at the pay per view, he didn't get a bigger reaction than that fucking body slam. That was outrageous. I know. Yeah, that was bloody brilliant. That. And then he comes down and Mike's, you know, showing him a few pictures of the night before for Macho. He had a bit of a rough night, didn't he? Bless him. Just a bit, yeah. From Hulk Hogan. Living hard and living fast. Don't know how much longer I can last. If I'm lying, I'm dying. The nightmare continues. But I'll tell you something right now. I'm rock bottom. No, I'm not. I'm a million miles below rock bottom. A lot of people say I got nothing to live for. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Guaranteed personified, you and me are alive on the planet Earth at the same moment in time. And guess what? It's going to get really, really, really scary because of the fact that now I'm down to one marble. And if I lose that one, it really doesn't matter, brother. Can you take what I got for you? I don't think so. Bring it on. Oh, yeah. He comes out with a really cool line. He said, I'm, I'm living hard and living fast. And I don't know how much longer I can last. That was cool. It's uh, y- y- year 11 poetry. <laughs> if I just, it, it, uh, the way I said it didn't quite do it justice. I can't, I can't do a, a macho man. Uh, if you want to do an impression, you're welcome to do one. I can't do a macho man impression. You do. You do a good one. 
Thinking, thinking, thinking. <laughs> thinking, thinking. I'm there living hard. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> he also said if he's lying, he's dying. And he and he said he doesn't think Hogan can take what he has in store for him. Decent little promo. Not, you know, just again, it's he's just sort of he's pretty consistent, isn't he, at the moment? Oh, yeah. the, odd, the odd few bits. He's not his promo at the pay per view wasn't wasn't classic, but I liked it. I always said he was down to one marble. Now <laughs> he said that if he's down to no marbles, if he carries on, he'd be saying something as well, wouldn't he? He's fucked that poor lad. And then we get uh, Savage versus the former Fire, Scott Norton. Yeah. For that, though, didn't did the limo pull up again? Am I right in thinking that? They certainly did, and they're all drinking. Uh, and they said uh, there's nobody left for him to beat up. And then it was NWO Nitro. Good line from Nash. Quite quiet these, these last few weeks, but nice little, little line from him. That's it, yeah. But... Again, it was a bit. It was a bit pointless. Yeah, it was a bit, wasn't it? The the Uber babyface Randy Savage jump starts in the aisle, like you do. Uh, Norton starts clubbing him, then takes a backdrop and uh, a double axe handle off the top outside. He oh, he's not funny. He always goes fucking outside. Savage. Yeah. Yeah, he does actually. He does. It's like. I look, it's like, it makes me laugh when Cornet goes on about Moxley, and it's like, fuck me, mate. Savage, Sullivan, fucking... A lot of them do it, yeah. He's got, he's, got, he's got selective memory, old Cornet. He really does. He forgets about yeah, 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 he does He does a bit, yeah. At the end of the day, I'll, I'll, I'll give him shit when he deserves to get shit, so... Yeah, absolutely. Really nice really nice Samoan drop by Scott Norton, to be fair. And then uh, Bischoff decides to tell us that what Savage going to do? He's the only one here next week. They're all in Japan. I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be a fucking great show. Isn't it? Just advertising to the NWO as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, uh, don't tell the don't tell the boys. He's in, he's the only one here next week. So yeah, you got free reign to beat the fuck out of him if you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really sloppy power bomb by Norton and Savage sells the arm. Norton works him over with with again clubs and a power slam for two. He misses the splash and Savage gets his hope spot. Norton gets clotheslined out of his fucking boots. It was a great clothesline. Had a great bump by Scott Norton for a big man. I'll give him that. He throws Norton on the guardrail. He's outside again. And he slams him on the concrete. And then Norton DDTs him. Shoulder breaker. And then he's still selling the arm, Savage. He pushes Norton into the post. And it starts. And he just starts going absolutely fucking mental, wailing on him with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> He loves the chair shot, doesn't he? <laughs> he fucking loves it, but he, he doesn't hit a chair. Like he just sort of pops him on the head. I know, I know we've we've CT and everything, you can't just wail someone on a fucking chair. Yeah. But there's there's a way of doing it. Get your hands up or something. But um he gets DQ'd he and he And he gives Nick Nick Patrick a good old shoving, which was <laughs> which was nice. It, I mean I didn't think it was the best, but it, it, it gets Get Savage as a mental lunatic over again, which is always nice. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, it, like you said, there it does its job. Savage is just—I think he's quite good at playing like the absolute nut job, and he's quite good at that. But it's like it was what it was nice to see them actually call a DQ for ones when it actually made sense. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I swear he he, he whacks them on with a chair the other week, and the refers are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I reckon he'll get suspension now as well because he's pushed Nick Patrick and Nick Patrick will be like 
you know, belligerent about it. Like, oh, yeah. it's the rules. Yeah, he'll, he'll do a promo next week with, well, normally with Gene, but it'll be probably with old Iron Mike unless uh, Gene's contract dispute sorted. Yeah, I think I think I think Scott Norton's all right in this type of role where he's sort of he's not really I don't really like him in a prominent feud or anything, but he's someone who could you who you could put in with you guys to beat who's quite well, I say beat, but you know, make make your top guys look stronger by sort of getting one over him, isn't he? Definitely, yeah. But yeah, they're obviously they're proper running with the savage losing his mind gimmick again. You know, and then Bobby actually makes an interesting point. He says he could be using it as a ploy to try and suck a Hogan in. Yeah, he's 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 more stable than we think than than we give him credit for, kind of thing. Yeah, quite like that. Quite enjoyed that. (laughs) And then and then they say that there's no leaders in in WCW. There's just sort of like vigilantes who would. Doing it, for, doing it on their own, kind of thing. Like, yeah, they, they, they've not got like a plan together or anything like that, have they? No, because um, none of them can fucking get along, can they? So. No, that's it. <laughs> then we get to um, the long, the long awaited debut. We have been waiting. This has been from day one. They said it pretty much. <laughs> We've been waiting. We've been watching the the uh, the promo packages, the vignettes. It's been six months, Mark. <laughs> here he comes. And it's just got a little bit chillier in here. Can you feel that? Can you feel it? Here he comes. I've it's got, glacier. I've got, I've got the patio door open, that's why. <laughs> I'm having um, a smoke. So he comes out and he's got... We saw little clips of it from the Saturday show, didn't we? But this is the full shebang. And yeah, 500 grand. The lights, the, light, <laughs> the, lights go, the lights go dark. We get a little shimmer of sort of blue light. The snow starts. And that music, that shit music from the fucking vignettes is playing the entire time. <laughs> and he comes out and he's doing fucking karate kicks and fucking throwing his hands all over the place. Think he's like on Mortal Kombat and he just he well, looks it is. absolutely ridiculous. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll just give you a, a small snippet of what I've wrote down verbatim. Oh Jesus, this is fucking appalling. It is the wettest fart of a payoff I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, this it would have been more entertaining if they'd have burnt the money. Uh, and this this is literally solely so Bischoff can look knowledgeable about something. Yeah, it is. And also, you're fucked if you're an epileptic. <laughs> and do you know what the worst thing about it is? They've done that whole like the fiend or Sinkara gimmick where the the lighting stays exactly the same for the entire match. And I hate that. I said, they're going to wrestle him. I said, they're going to wrestle in blue light and snow. (laughs) The snow stopped, to be fair. They they do that, though, don't they, to to try and hide the inadequacies of the person in the ring. So, like, they did that with the fiend because the fiend looked ridiculous in normal lighting, whereas it caught it's sort of palatable with that red light that they used to use. And Sinkara was so shit. But the only thing that it could sort of make him stand out was this whole lighting system they had for his matches. <laughs> and do you know what made me laugh about Sincara more than anything? They brought out King Unico as Sincara Negro or something, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. They did like two different versions of him, like working to like who can use the gimmick and all this. That was that was Dreadful. woeful. That <laughs> I just thought this was shit. It wasn't um, a match, was it? It was just no. Bubba's just there in the ring. Bischoff may as well have his cock out in his hand, the way he's talking about this. He's like, like, oh, he's he's got, oh, triple triple side kick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. 
<laughs> he's absolutely loving every second, isn't he? <laughs> it's just he's, shite. It's just utter shite. He's trying his <laughs> he's trying his absolute hardest to try and legitimise him, and just the crowd is flat as fuck for it. <laughs> I just wonder which poor son had to clean up the comms booth after Eric had watched this. Because he Randy marshed the fuck out of that, didn't he? <laughs> he he's going to be donating sperm samples for fucking six months on this. <laughs> and he hit... Oh, it was so bad, wasn't it? He hits possibly the worst-looking finish I've ever seen in my life. A really slow, spinning sidekick. It looked like it, it, it wouldn't hurt a fly. It was There was no power to it. There was no speed to it. And the crowd couldn't give a single fuck. And I actually think I heard some bo- some quite audible boos. Good. I don't know if you heard them. Bischoff, Bischoff used to deride Shawn Michaels' finish. Do you know what I mean? The sweet gym music. I mean, it's not the best. He used to say it was a, a side, he does a sidekick that like looks better, not as good as a green belt could do or something like that. <laughs> I prefer Shawn Michaels' finish to anything Glacier did today. It was fucking dreadful. Switching music is all right. He's it's like, all right. He, he doesn't claim to be a martial artist like uh, Bobby Fish no. or Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was that was atrocious. Wasn't it all that for that? You know, all that build up for absolutely nothing, really. And I hope I hope that we don't see him every week now because that we do. <laughs> I'm sure we do. Yeah. <laughs> But then we get we get a man who who is very much in the headlines on this show. Sting's coming down to the ring. It's the real one. You can tell that. In WCW, but let's talk a little bit about the NWO, gentlemen. As you know, there was a long list of demands set forth by the NWO, including late last night a threat. Now wait a minute, I'm hearing that Sting Sting is on his way to the ring. Which one? This this is a little weird. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Stinger is here. Let's hear what he has to say. I want a chance to explain something that happened last Monday night at Nitro. Last Monday night, I was on an airplane flying from L.A. to Atlanta. When I got to Atlanta, I tuned in the TV to Nitro, and I thought I was watching a rerun. It was a very convincing film. Why won't he look at the camera? Often imitated, but never duplicated, though. And what else did I see? I saw people, I saw wrestlers, I saw commentators, and I saw best friends gout the stinger. That's right. Doubted the stinger. Took a little, so little symbolism here. We say, turned our backs on him. I and know I guess where he's he lives. I know where he works out. I'm going to go get it. So I said to myself, I'll just go into seclusion. I'll wait and see what happens on Saturday night. And I tuned in Saturday night. And what did I see? I saw more of the same. More doubt. Which brings me to fall brawl. I knew I had to get to Fall Brawl to get face-to-face with the total package to let him know that it wasn't me. 
And what I got out of that was, no, Sting, I don't believe you, Sting. Well, all I got to say is, I have been mediator, I have been babysitter for Lex Luger. I've given him the benefit of the doubt about a thousand times in the last 12 months. Yeah. What's he getting to? I don't like the, and I don't like the tone the of this WCW at all. And I've carried the WCW banner. And I have given my blood, my sweat, and my tears for WCW. I don't like where this is going. So for all of those fans out there and all those wrestlers and people okay, I mean, that never doubted the Stinger, I'll stand by you if you stand by me. But for all of the people, all of the commentators, all of the wrestlers, and all of the best friends who did doubt me, you can stick it. From now on, I consider myself a free agent. But that uh -oh. doesn't mean that you won't see the stinger. From time to time, I'm going to pop in when you least expect it. What about tonight? What did he mean? What about tonight? <laughs> he grabs a microphone. The more you, you know what it is, the more you see that fake sting, you think, how the fuck could anyone con con confuse them? They look completely different. I know. I know. They've got they haven't, they haven't got any type. The, the bodies are different. The face, the facial like shape isn't right either. So he grabs a microphone and he they do that thing where he oh. sort of he doesn't even look at the camera, which I thought was an all right little touch. He sort of, yeah, away because he's like, oh, they they turn their back on me, so I'm going to turn my back on them. I didn't mind that. Um, That's the only thing I enjoyed about it, though. Yeah, it wasn't a great promo, um, apart from one little bit where something we actually mentioned. He was on about how he was on a plane and he saw on TV everyone was doubting him, and he sort of, you know, he, he felt the lack of trust and all this. He said a bit that we actually mentioned a couple of weeks ago, where he said, you know. He was talking about he's talking directly to Luger. He was saying, I've been I've been, you know, standing by you yeah. for twelve months. I I given you the benefit of the doubt when people didn't trust you and all this. And I thought that was quite good. It's true though. And that showed like a quite a he was quite hurt by that sort of that feeling of like you didn't trust me, you didn't believe in me. I quite like that bit. What and baffled me was that they say they are all saying he's in Japan. He's saying he's in Atlanta and he turns the TV on. And he's seen it. He gets off his plane. He's in Atlanta. He turns the telly on, and he sees all oh, this bollocks. And then he's like, "Is that hey. are they trying to say he sort of he turned up back in America the night of the show or something? Is that what they were trying to get at?" Yeah, but it just made no sense. I thought it was Bobbins. He said he went into seclusion, and then on Saturday he tuned in, and there was more doubt. So he waited till Sunday. The fucking moron! No wonder. It's just it just makes no sense. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of silly stuff in it, one there, and like the commentary team was dead confused by the end of it when he was like, you know, he's telling all the doubters to stick it and all this, and he considers himself a free agent, whatever that means. Well, he's not WCW. He's not. He's like the Nasty Boys. Yeah, he's him and the Nasty Boys. I'm get. I'm crazy. assuming we won't see him for a couple of weeks now, and then you'll start to see little little images of him. I hope so, anyway, because 
That's his best I... ever moment of his life. Yeah, I'm bored to fucking tears. I wish Luger would do the same. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there was—I mean, it wasn't great, but there was a couple of little standouts, like I said, in that the package, the promo. Sorry. There was there was a really nice bit from Bobby because it was Bobby absolutely living his gimmick, making it all about money. Money going, oh, he's a free agent now. There's going to be a bidding war. Yeah, and I just thought, that, but it, there's not. But it's like Bobby Heenan's always got to make it about cash. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get um, an interesting tag team matchup. Yeah. Uh, Quite an odd sort of out of the out of the blue pairing of of, of old Jericho with that classic tune that you love, and he's with uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, um, absolutely dripping in cheese. Them two, absolutely <laughs> cheesiest of cheesy baby faces. Yeah, they are, aren't they? So their music comes out. They're having a good time. They get trying to get everyone fired up. Flair music's playing for quite a while, and then we sort of. We're going, hang on, what's going on here? We cut to the back, and Arn and Flair are, like, trying to get Liz to come to the ring with them. So, like, she'd rather stay in the back on her own than go yeah. to the ring with with two pretty, you know, well, big Arn blokes. anyway, two uh, two yeah. big fellas and, and one of her mates. She'd rather just stick in the back. That made no sense to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, it was it was really strange. And then, but when they do, like, you see, Ar- Arn's got his war wound above his above his eye. Yeah, yeah. And Flair's like, "Fuck it, we've got business to take care of." Goes out and absolutely milks it, basking in it. Classic Flair entrance. Then we get old Sean Waltman pressing a fucking gimmick button, and all this shite comes down from the top of the top of the arena. <laughs> that was so annoying. That one. <laughs> Yeah, this is. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, NWO leaflets rain down. They say he's the sixth, but surely Shit Sting was the sixth. Yeah, he is, isn't he? So, he's the seventh. Anyway, and it says, but, We beat you, you pay the bills, uh, we do TV our way, etc. on these on these uh, pieces of paper. So, and then they sort of clear the ring a bit, and it's just a bit of an annoyance. You can see Flair and Arn aren't too chuffed with that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lock up headlock by headlock to Arn. Sorry, Arn works over Jezza missile drop kick, wheel kick. Jer- Jezza's shining. They say DB uh, Bischoff says DBossi forced him to give him their own show, <laughs> which is the first we fucking heard of that. Flair and Bagwell are in now. Headlock take over into scissors. Nice uh, chops. Uh, every they pop for every fucking thing Flair does. It's great. Yeah. Bagwell shines with punches. And the first backdrop of the night. Nice drop kick. Flair sends Bagwell out and Arn gets on him. Sun, sunset flips in, and uh, but Arn grabs Flair's hand to stop it, which I thought was quite nice. And Jezza drop kicks him as he's trying to like stop Flair from getting sunset flipped. Really nice. I like, just love how in sync them two are. I mean, I know they've been doing it for donkey's years, but it's just nice to watch. Uh, backslide, then a small package. Both get two. Uh, clotheslines Flair out, who crawls. Picks up NWO stuff, chucks it, and then struts back. It was fucking vintage. He's on top form tonight. He really is. Lovely sneaked elbow by Flair to Jezza into that top tier double A spine buster. Absolute beaut. As always. Flair, Flair drops the knee and struts. He was genuinely on form tonight. He was superb. He's loving that um, strut. He was loving that strut, shaking his ass, wiggling it. Big chops. Works on. Works the arm, sorry, tags in arm, 
stomps him, slingshots on the bottom rope on Jez's neck. Love that. Absolute sickening guillotine on his throat. And choke, sorry, as the ref's distracted. A classic abdominal stretch using the rope and flare for leverage. Flares in, quick tags, great heel work from two absolute masters. Arm works the leg, softening him up for the figure four, which I thought was lovely. Drops knee on the leg and grinds his knee onto the leg. It was superb, like proper regal style. Mm. Loved it. And uh, it cuts out to the back again. <laughs> There's a split screen, NWO with, Wal- uh, with Waltman and his woeful bum bag that he's got on. So he's in the NWO. And they go on about how the uh, they fooled WCW, and I just put it's getting pretty lame pretty quick. This <laughs> they start playing that recording, don't they? And then the giant says, and I quote, "When in doubt, NWO, <laughs> whatever that means." <laughs> this is getting shit. It's getting shit very quickly. It's it's now become convoluted. They yeah. should have stopped at DBOC. Yeah, I get Waltman. You know, I get why they put Waltman in, but they shouldn't have brought the fucking Snide Sting. The Giant's pointless, but they did that because they were desperate for a, an extra guy because Bulldog uh, U-turned and yeah. and re-signed his uh, WWF contract. But it's bollocks. It really was. It's it's just going shitter and shitter, and there's going to be more dickheads coming in, and it's and and like Nash and Hall, who were the fucking the best parts of it. The best part of it are getting pushed. Further yeah. to the back because every week it's like the impetus and the and the and the focus is on Hogan obviously because he has to be in in fucking focus and whoever the new guy is yeah and it's and it's just they they, they seem to be coming a bit bit party now and they were the best part of it yeah it's getting really watered down really fast it's like every week now last sort of four three or four weeks every week there's somebody new yeah it is it is a little bit frustrating isn't it. I think yeah. we, I think we may well have seen the best run of it. I could yeah. I could be wrong. That sort of I think, I think we've seen the peak four months or whatever. Peak too soon, possibly. Yeah, but then we go back to the match, don't we, for a little bit longer? Yeah, Rans choking old Jezza and working the leg, flaring, and a hot tag to Bagwell. A backdrop for two. Oh, sorry, backdrop number two. Do apologise. <laughs> Very, very hot cleanup by Bagwell. I do like his fire on a cleanup. He's uh, he's got a little something to him and a, and a fisherman to Arn. Oh, fisherman suplex, lovely. Roll up and he's right near the ropes. A woman rakes the eyes. Arn hits that absolute beaut of a DDT. Yeah, so I love that spot where she rakes the eyes. He's, he's DDT. His flare distracts the ref. Great spot. Flare struts. He's just milking it now. The crowd pops. Figure four. A uh, woman grabs his hands, shoulders down for free. Classic, classic Faradan. Absolute great TV match. I thought it was great. Just, just spoiled by the little. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good, wasn't it? It was, it was the, the two veterans against the two upstarts, and it sort of, it was good. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good tag match. Really good tag match. Yeah, yeah, and you got that ability to create sympathy for the for obviously the two young guys and. They were they were full on back playing full heel now, weren't they? Which I was a little bit surprised about because they have been quite they have so, they haven't sort of gone away from it, but they haven't really leaned into it as much the last sort of month or so. But they went full heel in this one, didn't they? But like you said, the only the only thing that I found a little bit stupid about it was, and I don't know if this is just maybe you know pernickety and just picking some out when when Flair pinned him, his shoulders were down too, so it shouldn't have been a legal pin. But the referee can't see that, I guess. 
No, he's at the wrong end, isn't he? He's at yeah. the house end. So, but it's not. I don't. I don't see it as a massive problem, really. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a cracking little match. I mean, you yeah, can always, good. you can always sort of rely on them two to pull some out of the bag, especially on a lackluster show. Yeah, where there's not been much to sort of crow about, and they're just two masters, absolute masters, aren't they, of, of, of professional wrestling? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then we got into what was billed as Benoit and Mongo versus Luger and Sting, but there was, you know, Bischoff confirmed it. There's no Sting to be seen. He must have left the building. So Luger's going to take him on himself, and Luger gets another great pop. To be fair to him, he just he just gets him every week now. It, it, him and him and Macho get the biggest reactions. Yeah, um, but he's he just looks like a fucking human action figure, doesn't he? He's just. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why he was so over, but I, I don't know if it was just the the. It's not the personality, sort of, is it? Well, I don't know what it is. What everyone sort of really saw in him. I know he's got some good fire at times, but you don't really see much of it, do you? It's like Warrior, though. I mean, Warrior was all sizzle and fucking no steak. He was. He, everyone went mad for him because he had the crazy entrance and the cool music and the, you know, the bright colours and shit. But uh, Luca's got fucking none of that. Yeah, he's bland as fuck. He's got white boots and black trunks, as fucking Back to the Future haircut, and fucking no charisma. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's odd one, isn't it? It's supposed to just be the, the look of him, his, his body or whatever. I don't, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. So it turns out it's going to be a handicap match. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a great match, was it? Let's be honest. Uh, no, not for the lack of trying for people like Benoit and. And things like that, but Mongo really stands out for me. He just looking, he always looks just shit, clunky as fuck. Yeah, he? he looks dangerous. He looks like he could hurt someone. It just wasn't. It, it was just pointless, wasn't it? Like, why? Why are we having this match? It was sort of why? Why would Luger sign up to a handicap match? Like, I know he's sort of like they're trying to cut. He's like, oh, I'll take on all comers and all that. But I just felt it was like pointless. It's not like he was against Flair and Arna or anything like that. Just against no. Mongo and Benoit, like, just didn't feel like there was any need for it. I don't know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably gone in, I think they sort of try to tell the story that like he's gone in with sort of like a hope that uh, Sting might turn up, but he has just cut that promo so, you know, you probably shit out of luck there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it was, and the worst part of it it's like, oh, you see him come down with that absolute black hole of charisma, Deborah McMichael just and she's giving it the the forehand, forehand like yeah. tea or coffee, tea or coffee. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> absolute wooden as fuck, she really is. Shocking. She's, she, she should be in the wooden tops. She should replace uh, Sting. She should be the manager, fucking hell. <laughs> so um, um, when it starts, when it starts up, Benoit just twats him and gets backdropped. Luger hits Mongo. Uh, there's a kneeler to Benoit and he starts shining. Uh, Benoit gets the heat then with kicks. Mongo's in and clubs him. Luger backdrops Mongo. All he can really do is backdrops and then really weak forearms. Crowds Benoit. Got, he's got the crowd in the palm of his hands, though. I don't know how. <laughs> it's, it's Benoit and clotheslines Mongo. Benoit takes over, clubs and kicks. It was just a lot of just clubbing, kicking, clotheslines. It wasn't great. There was no quality in it, was there, really? No, Benoit, Benoit showboats and Luger comes back with fists and stomps. That shit forearm that barely touches anyone. It's fucking dreadful. He's supposed to have a steel plate in it. Mongo clubs from behind and Benoit 
with a lovely Dynamite Kid-style snap suplex. Love that. Um, elbow drop and choked by a Mongo. Benoit's in. Chops him to fuck. Stomps. <laughs> it's just fucking everything he does is intense as fuck. It's, it's mad. Mongo clubs him on the slide from behind. Big clotheslines by a Mongo. And then I have to put, is anyone on the fucking show next week? Because... They just say, "Oh, Benoit's over there, and fucking so-and-so's over there, and this twat's over there, and they're all in no, Japan." And, uh, no, I mean I've not had a look at the card for next week, but I don't think I want to. It could be. <laughs> yeah, no, we might, we might get Tony. might get a few people that were away coming back, like maybe an Eddie. Fingers crossed, or, anyway. Or a Regal. Yeah, possibly. We'll have to see. I know he's been in Japan a lot because he says he says that on his podcast '96 he was he was in Japan a lot, so. Shit body slam and low blow by a Mongo. Absolutely dreadful. Benoit in, double clothesline. There's something going on in the stand. NWO, no doubt, but it says that's me fuck all. Luger's comeback. Drops both of them. Shitty forearms and power slam to Benoit. And then he racks him. And yeah. I thought, hey, up, oh, he's going to get clean here. Two and one. Mm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Flair and I come down. He drops both of them. And it was just like, what was the actual point of this fucking match? It was turd. That's what I mean. Press... It, was, it was a waste of time, wasn't it? Yep. And then he does a press slam to Flair, which I'm going to count as a backdrop number three of the night. <laughs> he just loves him. Can't, can't, can't take him properly, but loves him. Uh, yeah. And then a fucking really out of the blue, just monster chop block by a Mongo. It was almost, it was almost yeah. dangerous. It was, like, it was like NFL great. tackle style, wasn't it? It was like just right straight for the back of him. I don't understand why he has to do that stupid three-point stance thing like Duggan does. Is that an American football thing? Because, I mean, I don't really watch it. I think so. I, I'm not a big fan, really. Dreadful. Takes uh, four fucking hours to do one hour worth <laughs> of sport. It's a DQ. It all breaks down. The horsemen go to fucking town on him. Uh, is Sting gonna, yeah, I know. Is Sting going to rock up? Nope. No. <laughs> um, and then such, such, a, such a weird time to drop this in. He's just got word that uh, Sean Waltman will be called six. <laughs> there's that uh, there's that Bischoff realism for you. You know that he had that thing. He goes WWE are cartoonish. Uh, I'm going to have more realism. You know they they all have gimmick names. I'm going to call them the real names. He's called Sean Waltman. You <laughs> just call him that. <laughs> yeah. Why, why didn't they? <laughs> because one plus two plus three. I know is six, and it's he's the stupid. quote unquote. Six member, yeah, dipshit. And then, what did you think to that uh, sort of half match that we had? It was poor, wasn't it? It was really poor, and and it absolutely did Dreadful. nothing. It did absolutely nothing for Benoit and Mongo, to be fair, because they got absolutely no. they got at the end they got spanked, didn't they, by Luger on his own? And even even the Horsemen mate were made to look a bit silly in it because they had to come down, and it was like four on one to even stop Luger. It's not like I know you were mates like, last night. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it was a bit odd when it out. They were all that they were just nailing each other. It's like you were meant to be like, like the the, the host band of brothers. Yeah, you were meant to be in this together, and you just beat the fuck out of each other. It's like it's not it's not Luger's fault you lost. I know he got. I know he was the one who got like submitted and stuff. But if if you're gonna be angry, you, you, why didn't they come down when Sting was sat there talking for ten minutes? Do you know what I mean? It was okay. just it was a bit of an odd one. <laughs> But then we got another sort of again. It was like the, the limo crack with the NWO and outside Hall grabs the cameraman. He's like, "Here, come and have a look at this." They're all in the limo. They're all sat there. They'd be asking Waltman or Hogan, and Hogan's just waffling on. He's like, "Oh, yeah, Macho Man's your favorite, isn't he? Oh, you love Macho Man and all this." And 
I'll get you I'll get you ringside tickets next week. And it was absolutely crap from Hogan. It was like a real bad like it was like back to the first couple of promos that he did with NWR. I yeah. thought it was crap. Um, it was like mod, modern day raw AEW bad comedy. Yeah, it was shit. He's like, because he's yeah, doing I, that whole like, oh, Macho Man, Rhett Savage is the only one here. They're all off to Japan except Savage. Oh, you're he's your favorite. I'll get you backstage passes and all this shit. Yeah. Like... It was it was woeful, wasn't it? And it's like Hogan just he he, he always has that default, doesn't he? Just that that type of voice that he uses. Even if he does something good, he'll he'll always go back to his default setting if it, if he's not quite yeah. comfortable with it. Um, and I thought it was. It was a bit. It was a bit pap, wasn't it? Really, it was a really. You see the the snide sting was even more wooden than the proper sting, and he's going, "I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> oh, fuck off. You're just there. You're just there because one week we did an angle. Yeah, yeah. Why are you still there? <laughs> like that's the whole thing about him. Why have you? Why have they still got him dressed up as Sting? I think he's there for fucking ever as well. No, that's the problem. And do you know what it was? In all in all, I thought it was a pretty weak episode after a really good pay-per-view, and they never really capitalised on a good pay-per-view for me. I thought it was pretty shit. Yeah, you're right. And the NW segments were lame as fuck. They should have done like... debut Waltman like that. They should have done like a big NWO celebration. We won. We get control. We've got the power and all this. And it was all just resigned to just shitty bits in the limo. It was really poor, I thought. And like you said, the Waltman thing wasn't great the way they did it, and it was it was all a bit. It, it may have just been this episode. Maybe it'll improve next week. I don't know, but it didn't really resonate with me. A lot of the NWO stuff, anyway. The only thing that was really top tier tonight was Flair and Arn again. Yeah, and, and the Mysterio match, and you know, yeah, uh, in, in ring it, it, there was not much really to go off. DDP ice train was all right. It just the, the fucking missed the finish. That's what I mean. NWO sort of ruined that, didn't they? As well. Well, not necessarily them in general, but the production. Bischoff. Yeah, the Bischoff fucked that bit. All in all, a little bit disappointing episode. To be honest, it's a shame because it's it, it sort of on the bit of a high after the pay per view. Me too. You thought they'd have tried to capitalize on that, and he just completely went down the wrong, wrong road with it. And I'm just worried now that it's going to gradually get lamer and lamer, the NWO, and it's going to get more watered down and a lot faster than I, than I remember it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It might have just been an off week. We'll have to see, but it's not, not felt me with much confidence anyway. Um, not for next week. There's no fucking air. No, I know. I guess it'll be quite heavy on the Macho Hogan thing, though, I'm assuming. Um, I'd have thought so, yeah. There's going to be a lot of uh, nefarious sort of interfering and shenanigans, I'm assuming, by the NWO involving you'd Savage. So. You'd think yeah. so. Uh, right, so as we usually do after our shows, we'll give the old post-show awards. Might be a tricky one with some of these, but match of the night, what are you going with? I'm going to go for uh, Flair and Arm versus Jericho and Bagwell. Uh, I thought it was uh, a really nice, solid tag team match. Yeah, fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Hoovey and Ray because I, I sort of I did enjoy that one a little bit better. Sorry, uh, okay. Ray, I didn't think I'd ever give that award to Hoovey, but I think that's all down to Mister Mysterio in that one. Um, I think Hoovey's the generational talent, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> MVP, tough Flair one. Flair and Arn, Flair and Arn. Yeah, only because only because Arn Arn was just solid as always. But you got Flair was on really sort of top form tonight. It was that bit where he sort of. Gets 
bumps out of the ring, crawls up the aisleway, grabs a load of the NWA shit, uh, NWO shit, rips it up, throws it, and then starts strutting. I just thought that is fucking spot on. And when he was sort of geeing the crowd up when he was about to put the figure four on after the, you know, the NDDT, and he's like strutting and he's wooing, and he's, and I just thought that's that's top tier flair. I just yeah. think him and Arn, to be fair, at the moment they come as a package. So to me, so it's like I think yeah, Flair and Arn are my MVPs personally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. There wasn't any other contenders, to be honest. What's next? Is it the uh, the Duggan Disco Duggan Heart Award? Yeah, my dick of the day is the NWO yeah. as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could also give it to Bischoff for some of the ridiculous decisions he made production-wise and stuff like that as well. Uh, and his Glacier commentary. Yeah, that was bad. But you probably just in terms of how it affected the show, it would have to go to the NWO as a whole, wouldn't yeah. it? Would. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, they're the, they're the most prominent thing on the show. They're in like sort of every other segment. And yeah. when you're on, like I said the other week, when you're on that much, you've got you've got to pull something out of the bag in some respect. Like Arm was on like three or four segments of the week, and he was minting every segment. Yeah, but this this was just fucking lame. It was almost Young Bucks level of lame. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like really yeah. shitty, stupid comedy. Oh, we're the cool kids, and you, you're not really. And yeah. because National Hall have been pushed to the back, they've lost some of that, that sort of element, cachet yeah. that it had. Yeah. Barnet of the night, go for it, sunshine. It's got to be Brad Armstrong, hasn't it? Brad Armstrong again with that absolutely, absolute <laughs> cousin fucker haircut. <laughs> oh, dear. It is classic, isn't it? <laughs> that is a squeal for me piggy kind of haircut. That, that is a banjo playing, six-fingered yokel haircut. I love it. <laughs> What a haircut. Bray Wyatt should have that haircut. He should. When he comes back, he should have grown his hair out. <laughs> so that brings it brings the end to another episode of Nitro. Fingers crossed we get a bit better next week, though, eh? Let's hope so. Yeah. But, but uh, we don't want to end on that. We don't want to give you that. <laughs> what we want to do, guys, is carry on the game show everyone's talking about. To prove, like to prove old Kenneth wrong or right, <laughs> he really gives a shite, but we do. It's eight out of ten cunts. <laughs> so we're um, we're back onto the bees, into the seas. Ten yeah. people, Mark. You know the drill. Hire yeah. him or not hire him, and we'll see if you get more than two, and see if old uh, Kenneth was right by saying he wouldn't hire eight out of ten of them, or wrong. Because we'd hire more than two of them. Yep. First one is a shoe in, I'm guessing, Brian Danielson. Oh, yeah. It's got to be, on it? Yeah, there. Buddy Matthews. Mm, I think he has value. So, yeah, why not? Personal favourite of mine as a, as a, as not a wrestler, but as in his previous incarnation of the guitarist of Every Time I Die, the butcher, Andy Williams. He's not great, though, is he? I'd have to say no with him. <laughs> I, I, I wanted him to be great, but no, I'm afraid not. Another shoo-in, I'm assuming, Cash Wheeler. That's about as, as much of a shoo-in as you get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Lifetime um, contract. That's number four. So number five, the influencer, the sports entertainer, the cretin, that is Chris Jericho. So it's a double-edged sword, that one, it because you, you kind of, if you were doing it, you would have to because of his of his name. 
So you'd, I think you'd probably have to say yes, but he's an absolute moron. It, it's begr- begrudgingly, I'd have to say yes. Okay, next, Christian Cage. Yeah, he's a good veteran. He knows what he's doing, and he's a good heel as well. That's very true. Chris Daniels. Are we talking in ring? He's, he's VP of Talent Relations, apparently. Nah, no coach. need for him. No need for no him. No need for him, okay. No. Chuck Taylor. No, definitely not. <laughs> Claudio Castagnoli. Yes, definitely. Good I mean, I'm not a, have, yeah? fan. not a massive fan, but I'd like to, you know, he's good to have around, isn't he? Good guy to have, yeah. Um, and possibly the biggest shoe in, CM Punk. <laughs> Oof, don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I'd probably get battered for that if I ever got uh, if I got um, my CM Punk fandom anyway. Who gives a fuck? It's, yeah, you have good. hired seven out of ten cunts. That was a good Kenny, selection, that. You're wrong. Yeah, that was probably the best selection we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven out of ten. I'd hire, let's go for, let's see what I'd hire. Ooh. I'd hire six. Six, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hire Jericho because fuck him, and I would hire Daniels. So yeah, all oh, right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Some, some shockers next week. <laughs> he might. He might be right next week. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> anyway, so Ken, Kenny, you're wrong again for the third week on the trot. I think that, that we're going to do this till the wheels fall off it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> So last week we had a question about uh, the BWO, which member of the BWO would have fit in 1996 NWO the best, and yeah. which member of the NWO would have fit in worst with the BWO in 2005, I do believe, from our good friend Dan, Danny, uh, Scottish Juggalo from the uh, One Man's Meat podcast. Great podcast yeah. again. I think you should check it out if you haven't already. So I was giving this a bit of thought. I'll be honest with you, Dan. I'm not a massive BWO fan, not watched a whole lot of it. I never really watched a lot of ECW when I was younger. And 2005, I was kind of taking a break from wrestling at the time, <laughs> other than sort of Ring of Honor, early Ring of Honor stuff, because I got I became a bit of an indie cindy and uh, wanted to be, you know, you, you know, hipster about yeah. my wrestling. I'd probably say the best member of the BWO to be in the original NWO would have probably been Stevie. Richards, I think, as much as he's a goofy, goofy kind of guy, I think he could have sort of worked with that. I think he could have been like the Waltmany kind of sort yeah. of thing because he's small, he's quite athletic, he's quite good, he's very good in the ring. I think I don't think he should have worn a, a cut off t shirt and booty shorts though. But you know, <laughs> um, and I think the worst person to be in the BWO in two thousand and five had to would have had to be Hogan. Because can you imagine, like, what he'd have tried to... Like, that's a gimmick they'd been doing for, you know, nearly 10 years at that time, really. Yeah. And um, Hogan would have come in and gone, right, blah, 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 and just completely fucked it and changed it and doesn't work for me, brother. I'm not wearing blue. I'm wearing, you know, it's going to be the, the red and yellow world order or some shit, do you know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> It, yeah. it, it'd just be fucking horrendous, whereas National probably would have gone along with it a little bit, and they can do the comedy quite well. Like, yeah. it's not as it's not like goofy comedy. It's it's a bit more, you know, like cool it's parody in it. Yeah, well, yeah, cool. yeah, 
Yeah. Like cool pricks, we'll just we'll just sarcastic yeah. and mock everything. I think they probably could have done that better than Hogan. Hogan's just a fucking dirt worst, and it when it's when he's coming to do something that's not being Hulk Hogan. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? He doesn't really know how to do that, does he? <laughs> um hope that's a decent enough answer for you. Um it, it got kind of sprung on us last week and we were like, uh <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no idea. But um yeah, hopefully that sort of a fairly decent answer. Right, so next week we will be doing the 23rd of September, 1996. Uh, we've got a few more before Halloween Havoc as we go into October. I'm hoping next week is going to be one of them where it's like, oh, it's going to be crap this, and then it's an absolute blinder. We hope so. Yeah, yeah hope I think so. it's going to be extremely NWO heavy and Savage heavy, but hey, and we all can be great and Savage can be fucking top tier, so you never know. It could be an absolute storm of one of them sort the of yeah, overlooked, underrated sort of episodes. While uh, every man and his dogs, you know, fucking about with Anoki's promotion in Japan and just say rest in peace, Antonio Inoki. They died last week. So yeah. you know, I've I've been a I've been big into New Japan, you know, some great stuff on New Japan and all Japan to be fair, but you know, he started that company and, you know, it's brought me many hours of enjoyment watching them matches yeah, over the years. Team. So, yeah, fair play to you. Big, big fucking deal, that guy. Yeah. Fought Muhammad Ali in a, in a fucking work shoot, which is yeah. Very much possibly one of the worst things I've seen ever. <laughs> but... it laid, laid sort of laid the plans down for like mixed martial arts, though, didn't he? So he's an innovator. Certainly did, yeah. Because yeah. all he did was like kick him like, know, on yeah. the ground, I think. It's it not a great weird. watch. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but a lot of them early, early sort of MMA UFC fights are fucking dreadful watches. Yeah. No, there was no, there was no sort of showbiz element to it. You know, as much as I love Dan Seven, fucking hell, some great of them tash. were great, fucking top tier Tash. He's he's like <laughs> fucking Tom Selleck. Him and Tom Selleck are like the Tash brothers, <laughs> right? So yeah, we're going to wind it up now. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it, even though it was a bit of an abysmal show. But you know. We can only uh, review what we're given to review in chronological order. <laughs> can't, can't all be winners, can they? Hope we added some sizzle to the meat, as they say. Right, if you want to uh, interact with us, it's at AdjectivePod on Twitter. We will set your questions and answer them, even if it's a week later. <laughs> we'll still do it. You know, any retweets, likes, every, anything like that, five-star review on Spotify would be really nice. And really appreciate everybody um, who listens to us. And if there's no further business, Marcos, I will say those horrendous, infamous, diabolical two words. Dicky Slater. See you later. The preceding podcast gimmick that was paid for by Look at the Adjective.